WAPG Airline Pilot Guy. Airline Pilot Guy, episode 290. From our side of the cockpit door, I'm Captain Jeff, your host, broadcasting live from Studio 1702 in the Holiday Inn Riverwalk Hotel in San Antonio, Texas. In this episode, we're going to talk about a messed up holiday for those of you flying a certain airline in the UK because of messed up pilot holidays, um, a, a big fuel crisis in Auckland, New Zealand. More news, your feedback, and the latest Planes Tales installment. Planes Tales, a late night flight, please. So get all settled in, tray tables and seat backs in their upright and locked positions. Electronic devices powered on. Flight 290 is ready for pushback. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Airline Pilot Guy Show, a place where we talk about aviation stuff. It's a podcast. I fly for an airline. I'm a guy. There you go. What else could you want to know? And joining me from the Carolinas. Doctor? Doctor? Uh, Doctor? She's not an airline pilot, but she is a commercial multi-engine instrument rated pilot. Let's lead with that one first. And she's a marathon runner, a skydiver, and the winner of the Miss World 2017 swimsuit competition. Did I mention she's a commercial multi-engine instrument rated pilot? I'm just glad you... Oh, sorry. Stuff. Got a little ahead of myself there. I'm just glad you uh, managed to sneak that little tidbit in for this uh, show about aviation. But the rest of it, far more important. So, but... We're going to find out later in the show how how uh, appropriate uh, that little reference to the, uh, the honorary Miss World thing is. Oh, really? Because we have a little... Yeah. Okay. Looking um, forward to that. So... Glad yeah, to see you guys. We'll have to listen after the fact. <laughs> I think so. So good to have you with us, uh, Steph. We'll talk to you in a moment about uh, what you're about to embark upon. Mm-hmm. And also joining us, an Airbus wide-body captain extraordinaire over there in the UK. Uh, he's a professional photographer, uh, former RAF and RAAF fighter pilot. Our friend, Captain Nick Anderson. Hi there, Jeff. And uh, yet again, another show. Are we creeping up the numbers, aren't we? Great to be with you and Steph, and I can see a stranger. I see a stranger. That's uh, a call they met in the House of Parliament uh, sometimes when, uh, you know, there's someone odd in the house. But uh, Oh, really? Is that what they say? Yeah. I see a stranger. Exactly. Okay, well, also joining us right here next to me here in San Antonio he is a captain, a line check airman for uh, Acme Jr. laying over here as well in San Antonio. His name, Steve Horn. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning to APG community. It's uh, amazing to be here. I've always wanted to see Captain Jeff in action behind this side of the microphone. And uh, today was my lucky day. And he's going, my goodness, I never want to do this. He's so disappointed. He didn't want to tell you, but... 
Yeah. Well, a lot of people are disappointed when they actually get to meet me <laughs> in person. <laughs> and speaking of that, I'm going to have a meetup later on today, so I'll disappoint many more people. <laughs> so, anyway, Steve and I have actually met before. Uh, he's laid over in Atlanta, and uh, we've met together and uh, had. Uh, shared uh, food and drink and conversation and uh, he I consider him a good friend and it was so um, serendipitous that uh, we I, I didn't know he was going to be here in San Antonio he didn't know I was going to be here in San Antonio we were walking through the concourse and all of a sudden he goes hey Jeff I went huh whoa and I, I actually my reaction was I looked at him and I go I know who this I know this guy I recognize his face but I don't you know it's not coming clear to me right now and i looked yep. down at his uh name tag and went, oh steve steve what are you doing here he, he came into the gate right next door yeah. to ours i think yeah in uh, walked in right in i talked with the captain down there that we were giving the airplane to spent a few minutes down there and then all of a sudden late to my crew that was waiting up in the terminal and almost bumped into jeff yeah. I mean, not literally physically bumping in, but uh, yeah, just about. I mean, we yeah. just like we're walking right next to each other and uh, it uh, just worked out great. And I said, well, so what are you doing here? And he said, I'm uh, what on a 28 hour layover yeah, or something like 28 that. 28 hours. Yeah. Nice. And uh, he was he said, I'm, I'm going to be recording uh, the next episode of how I got here. Um, and uh, so with this guy and tell us about this, this guy, Mike. Uh, Mike, my brand new first officer. Today was his day two of ever flying the uh, CRJ series aircraft. And uh, we're going to re- record a bit uh, for the show on his day one, which was a lot of fun. Excellent. So, I can't, and uh, he was a former, well, not a former, he's a APG community member oh. listening to the show. And I said, Hey, we record these. He's like, what? That's you. And then <laughs> in the terminal in San Antonio, Hey, this is Captain Jeff. Whoa, look at this. This guy's going, wow, this airline stuff is, <laughs> is like, great. I can't believe how close-knit this, and what a small world this is. Yeah, yeah there's He's like only really 12 out. of us, yeah. aren't there? <laughs> What's that? <laughs> there's only a few yeah. dozen of us. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Awesome, awesome. So, uh, Steph, um, yes. I, I kind of hinted that uh, you weren't going to be with us for the entire show. Uh, and why is that? Oh, that's What's because, your excuse this time? Uh, my excuse is I actually have to go. I have a flight to catch, not flying myself anywhere, but um, I'm about to head over to Europe so I can run the Berlin Marathon on Sunday this week. So lots of stuff to um, yeah leave here about 6.30 p.m. I keep having to look back. It's like a weird, it's like 6.27 is the departure time or something. Oh. Um, but I've had some trouble checking into my flight online for various reasons I won't get into. So I'm going to have to leave a little earlier than I usually would just so I can have peace of mind that I'm not going to be rushing last minute for an international. I'm actually going to get nervous, I think, just because you're still here. So no, 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 no. We're good. We're good. We've got got plenty of time. I'm for the next 40 minutes. I've got plenty of time. If I'm here any longer than that, I'll be nervous. But any, any meetups planned uh, in the near future? Yes. And actually I'm going to backtrack for just a second, just so I don't forget to mention it because I actually had a, um, Meet up last night with one of our APG listeners here in Charlotte, um, Corey Cave. Uh, he was in town because he just started um, the very first day of his training with a local regional airline. So that was very exciting and uh, huge congratulations to him for getting started with all of that. And it looks like you're trying to find the applause button. But no, I'm not. No, no, I'm no, actually no. <laughs> trying to find because he actually sent in feedback. Oh, did he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said he was yeah. going to do that. So, um, yeah, we, we I picked him up from his hotel. We went over to Sycamore Brewing and we had a couple of beers and chatted for a while. And it turns out we have a lot of um, 
Uh, he's from the Philadelphia area, and his family's actually all in healthcare. So, um, you know, we chat a little bit about aviation and healthcare, and yeah, it was a nice, nice evening, nice meetup. May I read what he uh, sent in? Yes, you may. This is like hot off the press. He just sent this in this morning. Hi, AVG crew. It's Corey Cave again, pipeline pilot guy. Just updating you on my path to the regionals. I finally made it to INDOC training here in Charlotte and had my first day today, 9-18, which is yesterday. Uh, I'm so excited to start this amazing career. It is truly a dream come true. To top it off, I got to enjoy an IPA with a local who also happens to be Ms. World 2017, Dr. Steph. <laughs> so uh, he said it was a great time and I can't wait to meet the rest of you one day maybe I should change my name to regional pilot guy just a thought anyway keep up the good work P.S. Dr. Steph can attest to my continual disclaimer about me sending in feedback through my phone it looks like I landed a mad dog on it <laughs> yes um, <laughs> his his phone seems to have taken a, uh, a beating somewhere along the way it's uh, uh, the screen has some interesting uh, things going on with it. It's in rough shape. Yeah, it's 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 yeah. in rough shape. So, but it's it's still working. It's still hanging on by a thread there. So, I was... uh, don't look now, Steph. But behind you, there's some kind of a wild animal in the window. Yes. Oh wait a minute, that's yes. Taco. Uh, <laughs> yes, we've got a nice view of Taco. Actually, he unfortunately he has his uh, rear end pointed towards the camera instead of his uh, <laughs> yeah better looking end. He's looking outside. He's guarding. I just thought he was smiling. The... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, so, so there was that okay, meetup, so, and that was that was excellent. Yeah. Nice to meet uh, Corey, and wishing him all the success going forward from here. Um, and coming up on Friday, the twenty second, um, in Berlin, um, we're going to be having a meetup um, at Private Pilot Tillman's Microbrewery, which is the Circus Hostel Microbrewery in Berlin. I think I got all that right this time, and. Um, you can go ahead and Google that for the uh, website and directions. And he actually sent in audio feedback last week um, with all the directions and names of the the local streets. So looking forward to that very much. I know there's going to be several um, APG uh, community members joining us who have already verified that they'll be there. And hopefully, if you're listening to this now, we'll get to see you there as well. 7 p.m. is when we're starting Circus Hostel Microbrewery, Circus Hostel Brewery in Berlin, Germany. I envy you, Steph. That's going to be great. Yeah, it's going to be going to be a good time. I'm going to have to restrain myself just a little bit because, like, 48 hours later, I have to run a marathon. So, uh, probably shouldn't. Yeah, so partake no more than too what? Too much pints? alcohol. Yeah, ten ten might be a good limit. Yeah, uh, actually, someone, those those steins they're a bit deceptive because they're like a liter. So, I wouldn't have more than about eight of eight. Those, okay, probably. eight. Yeah. Good. good. <laughs> <laughs> you got to like set a low bar you yeah know, yeah right exactly so no it's gonna be great i'm really looking forward to it and um yeah can't wait awesome. well, it's a great city you'll love berlin it's some so full of character and history and the people there are fabulous so uh, have a great time thank you very i will all right excellent uh captain nick yes what sir. have you been up to uh let me think i uh flew home from new york i guess where I had been uh, recording <laughs> the last show. It doesn't seem very long ago. Um, no, it I was wasn't. In, <laughs> I was in Grandma's house scratching around for some uh, internet. It wasn't very good. I think Grandpa was probably stealing all the bandwidth on Netflix. 
But um, yeah, we uh, we made our way home no problem. Uh, my first officer uh, flew us home. Very nice guy. He was uh, making me feel very jealous. He was talking about retiring at the age of 55 in like a year's time. So I, I think he must have some other form of income available to him. But I was saying, well, that's, <laughs> that's great. Wish I could. <laughs> 55 seems an awful long time ago. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Absolutely. You say he re, uh, he retired um, at fifty five. Well, he's looking at it. He says he's oh. he's thinking of retiring in about a wow. year's time at fifty five. So that's nice. I'm thinking, yeah, that would be a very nice thing to be able to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, yeah, it was a sweet trip home. Actually, very nice. Uh, and uh, I've just had a couple of days uh, home catching up. Uh, had to bash out a quick plane tale, and uh, uh, it's not a long one this week, but uh, hopefully it'll be fun. And I've got to do another one because I suspect the next show I'll be in Italy. Don't know if I'll be able to find internet. Hope I can, but otherwise you'll miss me next week, I'm afraid. Yeah, I think that... Uh, how long are you going to be on your uh, on your vacation? Oh, it's only a week, so... Uh, oh, okay, good. Yeah. Well, it'll probably be just towards the end of it if you have the show at the same time next week. If not, I'll okay. be home. Excellent. And uh, I know that uh, Steph's going to be out all around the world the next, what, two or three weeks? Yeah, I don't get home until the evening of October 1st. So because after Germany, I'm going to Japan because I figured they were, you know, pretty conveniently located (laughs) next to each other in the world. So uh, why not just... uh, You need to do some more research on the uh, about 7,000 miles between them. They're not that far apart of my my little map here. I just kind of, you know, eyeballed the the distance. (laughs) Who who made your map? <laughs> <laughs> well, Germany and Germany is G and Japan is J. They're, and close, they're not that far apart. They're, they're the relatively alphabet. close yeah. in the in the dictionary. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Alphabetically. Uh. Yeah. So uh. no, that's a long story. But um like I said before, I'm gonna do some um crew logs, so I will explain some of that if you haven't heard the story already. Oh, awesome. I look forward to that. Okay, uh, let's see. Oh, by the way, uh, you'll notice that uh, Dana is not here today, and he uh, sends in his regrets for not being able to uh, join us, but he is out there. At, what did he say? I'm, uh, unlike the rest of you, I'm working for a living. And uh, so, you know, we all work for a living, of course, but uh, he is out there on a late sign-in tonight, and uh, or was it last night? Anyway, he's out on a trip, and he couldn't make it with us today. And uh, but he did he did record a couple of responses to some of our feedback. So you will hear his lovely voice on our episode today. So so you won't miss him too much. And uh, let's see, had a uh, or had a meetup after the show in Little Rock last week uh, with uh, Landon. He drove all the way from Dallas, Fort Worth. Uh, to or actually Dallas. I always say Dallas Fort Worth because I'm so used to saying the airport, but from Dallas or out somewhere outside of Dallas, drove all the way to Little Rock just to meet up with me. He has the APG syndrome pretty badly, I think. Yeah, poor guy. Um, and as uh, a young man and uh, he is in the midst of uh, you know uh, getting some flying uh, experience, etc. and uh, I did. Uh, record something with my phone and it actually hit the record button and it actually recorded. And uh, so m- this might be a good time for us to listen to that. That's a quick one. That's what she said. Captain Jeff here in Little Rock. Just finished uh, recording episode 289. The reason why I'm kind of j- laughing a little bit is because uh, Landon and I just recorded, but well, we thought we were recording uh, a little bit of audio, but it turns out that I forgot to push the record button. 
anyway, uh, over here in Little Rock, beautiful evening, great weather. Uh, just recorded 289 in the room, uh, got out here, went, walked over to the uh, Flying Saucer in Little Rock and met up with Landon. And uh, Landon drove all the way from Dallas to Little Rock with his girlfriend and uh, poor thing. I, I'm, I don't know what she had to put up with, but um, anyway, so she's uh, here with some family or something like that. Yeah. And uh, so uh, we enjoyed um, some good beer and food at the Flying Saucer here on uh, whatever street this is, uh, the Main Street, President President Clinton <laughs> Road or Boulevard or whatever it is here in Little Rock. And uh, we enjoyed, uh, uh, as I said, some beer and good food and great conversation. Uh, I, I learned that Landon uh, had a, a major milestone today. He took his private pilot written test this morning before he drove up here to Little Rock and he passed. So, yay! I'm sure you hear the applause now. I'll put that in. There you go. Even Landon's clapping for himself. So anyway, Landon, what do you have to say? Uh, Just a great time meeting Captain Jeff here in Little Rock. Um, I'd like to say to the whole community out there, if you have the time and you have the ability to make a meetup happen in your area, reach out, join the Slack team. We don't have Hillel in the closet right now, but (laughs) he's out there. Hillel! Hillel, where are you? No, he's not here. He's out there. Get into the Slack team. You won't regret meeting up with anybody here. It's a great time. Absolutely. Uh, as as I always say that I'm uh, always I'm always uh, so excited about meeting the uh, members of our uh, airline pilot guy community. Uh, doing the show is a lot of fun, and and being with our uh, APG crew every week is just like being with uh, good friends. But uh, the best part of the show is uh, actually the community. It's not really the show itself. And it's getting together with people like Landon and uh, and various locations and just meeting the people that like to uh, listen to our nonsense. And uh, it was such a pleasure meeting up with Landon today. He is, His goal is to become an airline pilot, uh, like uh, Dana and Nick and I. And uh, he's, he's on a great track. He's a young person, just finished uh, his private pilot uh, written exam. He's gonna, next step is the private pilot. Check right check ride and was telling me about that uh, today and then on to commercial and then cfi and all that kind of stuff so he's got a a, a wonderful uh, journey ahead of him and uh I, I was just so happy to be able to to share that with him uh, tonight yep great great to meet you captain jeff and so as, as landon said any anytime you're uh, you know that i'm going to be somewhere and uh you know don't don't be shy let's uh, get together and uh talk uh talk airplanes and all that so uh that's about it had a great time <laughs> i can't remember exactly how we ended that yeah. uh did you did you hear the um that yeah. little back somebody coming up to us and trying to uh talk to us in the background yeah that was one of the um the street um not vendor but street um well somebody was wanting to get some money from us uh let's just put it that way <laughs> right in the middle of that record it's a good cameo yeah i, I thought so too Anyway. I mean, it's just it's just the ambiance and the realism and, you know, that's just like I wish that I had my I was just holding my phone in front of each of our faces. I wish that I'd remembered to bring the uh, the ATR microphone and at least maybe he would have thought, oh, I should probably not go up to them and start talking to them with the microphone thing. Maybe I don't know if it would have made any difference or not. Yeah. But uh, anyway, it was great meeting you, Landon. And uh, thanks for making the long drive up and, and back and. 
I hope that you and your girlfriend are still together. <laughs> so, uh, let's see. That was a lot of fun. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, he just finished uh, taking his private pilot written exam that morning, by the way. I don't think he actually mentioned it in that recording. Yeah, that morning he took the test and then he got in the car uh, with his girlfriend and drove up to uh, Little Rock. So I was uh, very uh, pleased for him. Um, oh, he failed it. Did he say that he mentioned that he failed it? No. No, no I'm just kidding. He oh. didn't. He, he passed. <laughs> uh, let's see. And then we had another Atlanta meetup in uh, at Scofflaw Brewing on Saturday where Stephen Ivey, he kind of organized that again. Uh, Dana and Julie, his lovely wife, uh, were there. Uh, Ray, uh, my neighbor from Alpharetta, we'll hear from him uh, later in today's show. Uh, Chris, my, I was thinking, who's Chris? Oh, that's right. He's my son. I got my son to go with, uh, with me on a, an actual APG event, and um, I'm hoping that he enjoyed it as, as much as I did. Uh, we had a lot of great beer, and then we had some great food at Nuevo Laredo, um, Tex-Mex uh, place. And let's see, and Perry and Brittany, and they both work for a company. I don't, I still don't think I'm allowed to say what, what company it is, but it's a big aerospace company located in North Georgia. There we go. So, and they make fantastic airplanes. My favorite airplane was made by this company, but that's all I'm going to say. Cause I'm going to give it away if I say anything else. <laughs> uh, so it was great seeing them as well. So we went to the, uh, the Scofflaw Brewing Company, had some great beers. It was super crowded, very, very noisy. Afterwards, we went over to the uh, Nuevo Laredo uh, restaurant, had a great meal. And uh, so that's that. Now, if you hadn't had enough in, in Atlanta with meetups, of course, who could ever have enough? Uh, we are going to meet up again. Actually, it's, the, uh, it's a meeting of uh, ass. The, uh, let me, let me uh, uh, clarify that. The Atlanta... APG Sufferers Society, A-A-S-S. And I'm, I'm assuming that's pronounced uh, maybe OSS. I think OSS. OSS. It's okay. actually a, a, an official um, subsegment of the APG syndrome. Oh, uh, okay. Very, very well, local sorry, symptoms in the Atlanta it, area. Mm, it's going to be chaired. OSS. 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 Well, ass is better than ass. I mean, ass has any one meaning. At least an ass is uh, kind of a horse. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dr. John Brown, I think he is the um, the honorary um, leader of Oz. <laughs> yeah, I'd say you could say that he was like one of the biggest. Oh, never mind. Just kidding, <laughs> Dr. John. I, I, please, please forgive wow. me. And, and, and yeah, now he's never he's not going to bring any more beer. I, I have a feeling. No, I can't wait to see him and his wife as well, Brenda. Uh, they are going to be uh, in Atlanta for some kind of a conference, medical conference, I think. And uh, so we're going to meet up on Friday evening in Atlanta at the... Uh, It'll probably be the proctologists, will it? <laughs> it could be that conference, yes. Bring your you gloves. Know, <laughs> you know, Nick, you get Nick started on OS and he just can't uh, let go of it. He can't help himself, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. He just, he can't. His mind is just going... Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, we're going to meet at the uh, 57th Fighter Group at the PDK Airport. PDK Airport, Kilo Papa Delta Kilo, uh, at uh, 7, I believe, on Friday, uh, this Friday, uh, the 21st, I believe. No, wait, that's the 22nd. It's the 22nd. 22nd. Yes. The same night that Steph's going to be meeting up in Berlin. Yes, I think ours will happen. It's going to be a worldwide APG event. Yep. I think ours will happen yeah. a couple hours earlier. Yeah. Yeah. I would think About so. About 6, yeah. but that's okay. Right. Perfect. Okay. 
so anyway, I'm looking forward to seeing Dr. John and his wonderful wife and all those other people in the Atlanta area who are able to join us. So um, if you're if you haven't already joined Slack, please consider doing so. I'm sure more details will be in there. Again, the 57th Fighter Group at PDK at 1900 hours on Friday. Uh, and then we already talked about Berlin. So I think we've covered our meetup stuff. Anything else that we want to add before we uh, move on to the coffee fund? Or did you want to say anything about uh, the potential um, celebration coming up um, in November? Mm-hmm. Or do we want to... Do we want to hold off for a week just so we can... Well, the hints are out there. Yes, Perhaps yes. You want to say just something, give a, va- a little flavor. Yeah. Okay, so we're not going to talk about this very, very important thing. Okay. Not just this, and, but but stay uh, tuned just because details forthcoming, and we'll have plenty of time to. We're we're just such just teasers. I know. Okay, uh, I've got just a little bit, and this is uh, forthcoming. So, um, mm-hmm. uh, Reuben Wells um, has asked if uh, we could get together in the UK for a bit of a fly-in stroke meetup, and uh, we're. It's a long way away. It's uh, towards the end of October. We're provisionally looking for a day on the either the 28th or the 29th uh, of October at uh, Goodwood uh, Aerodrome, I think they're called. Goodwood Aerodrome, which is in the south of England. Uh, so um, if uh, anyone is interested, they uh, can get in touch with uh, Reuben Wells and uh, let them know which is the most convenient day, either the Saturday or the Sunday. I'm flexible. I can do either. And uh, then I think we're going to have a bit of a fly-in and a few people will obviously drive in and Jeff will bash his mic and, um, well, I'll have a good time. And his keyboard. They would, nev- they would never have known <laughs> <laughs> in the audio-only uh, edition, but Sorry. now they do. Oh, well. oh, yeah. hey, uh, now I'm going to have to show. leave it in. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I, I may leak one more piece of information. Just No, I'm sorry. Mind. That's enough. Oh, okay. No, go ahead. Well, <laughs> just kidding. For for planning purposes, for those who might be interested, um, the and make sure I get my dates right here too. But I believe the information which we'll be talking about more about a you know upcoming event, big deal round number in the APG uh, timeline, yes. uh, November twenty fifth. Did I get that right? Someone double check me. Yeah. Check my fact. It's actually the Sounds weekend right. immediately following Thanksgiving. Yes, we are so. looking at uh, the 25th. Yes, that's right. That is actually the Thanksgiving weekend. It is Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah. 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 So, eh, sorry, but. Yeah. But it just happens uh, to be when there's going to be a big round number. Exactly. <laughs> and. Wow. How can anybody possibly determine what the heck we're talking about <laughs> from those clues? I don't know. Yeah, I know. I don't know. <laughs> All right. No, no, we're gonna we're gonna we'll, uh, get some more information together about it and have more details for you because beyond that, right now, um, even though there's some idea, it gets a little bit into speculation. So I just want to make sure that's all confirmed yeah. before we start putting yeah. information out there. So that's all. Put off your families for that weekend. Yeah, you it's know, not an important that, family holiday yeah, at all. Nothing else going on. You get one of those every yeah. year. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Exactly this comes right. only once. Yeah. Only once. <laughs> that's true. Thank. Hopefully. <laughs> All right. Well, excellent. Um, thank you for that stuff. And uh, I think now it's time for us to move on to. Are you a singer, Steve? I bet he is. Oh, he's he's going to go ahead and warm up. All right. Here we go. We're going to talk about the APG Coffee Fund. Here we go. Johnny, how much more coffee? No thanks. It's going to be a beautiful thing. I love coffee. 
coffee, I love tea. I love the Java Java and it loves me. Coffee and tea and the Java and me. A cup, a cup, a cup, a cup, a cup. Oh yeah, baby. You know, I love coffee. Me too. I love tea. Of course. I love the APG community. Oh, the best. Yeah. Hey, and if you do as well, and you have some extra cash that you want to spend on the uh, the, the show, uh, head over to A-L- Airline, A-Line? AirlinePilotGuy.com slash coffee, where you'll find information how you can participate in the coffee fund and become a coffee fund or part of our coffee fund cadre. And this is where we say something because there's nothing that's dead air. Hmm. Uh, I'm lost. Okay, there we go. Anyway, we blew it. Um, So anyway, uh, there are a couple of different ways that you can contribute to the show. And one is the caffeine... Caffeine. (laughs) The caffeine-free version. We need to do this over, don't we? (laughs) Coffee Fund Classic Method via PayPal, a one-time donation or a recurring donation, as Chris Randall has uh, signed up for. We received his... his, um, recurring uh, donation via the Coffee Fund Classic Method. And... The uh, other way that you can participate in the Coffee Fund is via Patreon. You can become our Patreon. You can become a patron of the show via Patreon. Uh, again, information about it in the uh, airlinepilotguy.com slash coffee page. And uh, basically, it's where you can uh, sign up to be a patron of the show, and you can pledge a certain amount per episode and support the show that way. And uh, either way, uh, you have access to the uh, APG crew logs and some other behind-the-scenes kind of thing. But um, basically, we just hope that you'll want to do it because you want to uh, ensure that this show continues to go on and on and on, like me, going on and on and on every show. So, again, the Airline Pilot Guy Coffee Fund, airlinepilotguy.com slash coffee. Thank you. I love coffee, I love tea. so good that the studio audience is applauding. Rousing uh, number. A rousing, rousing number. And now it is time for... Stand by for news. Let's start off with uh, this um, interesting story. Um, I'm sure those of you across the pond are much more aware of it than uh, we are. We are in the states, but a certain airline. Well, let's just call it Ryanair. Uh, canceled 82 Why flights. Why not be specific on, about it? Yeah, well, yeah I mean it's, it's vague, in the article. So, uh. <laughs> let's just be uh, hypothetically Ryanair. Uh, canceled a bunch of flights on Sunday. And this is, you know, what, uh, several days later now. I'm not sure how many canceled flights they're up to uh, yet because it says after admitting it had admitting it had messed up. They probably used other words, but uh, this is what uh, was fit to print. 
uh, messed up the planning of its pilots' holidays. The budget airline said on Saturday, this previous weekend, that it will cancel 40 to 50 flights every day for the next six weeks. Wow. Marketing officer Kenny Jacobs said affected customers with bookings up to 20 September had been informed. We have messed up the planning of pilot holidays and we're working hard to fix that, he said. Most of the cancellations are due to a backlog of staff leave, which has seen large numbers of the airline staff book holidays towards the end of the year. The airline is changing its holiday year, which currently runs from April to March, to run from January to December instead. Ryanair said that the shift meant they had to allocate annual leave to pilots in September and October. So, I don't know, um, Captain Nick, you're closer to the situation over there. Um, what exactly happened here? I mean, were they not tracking the fact that they were going to have to grant all the all of this uh, leave to the pilots? Uh, or did they think that it was just going to go away and they were, they were going to be granted some sort of concession or well, exception? They they have admitted uh, um, the boss of Ryanair was uh, on the telly today. And oh. he admitted that they had made a dreadful mistake. And uh, with this leave allocation, because they had to get this pilot's leave done legally, it was a legal requirement, uh, they were going to have to have to put these pilots on leave. And uh, I'm thinking to myself, well, I don't think that's a legal requirement to have holidays. Uh, our company buys back your holiday. Uh, and they, it could be quite lucrative. If you want to sell your holiday back to the company because they're short of pilots, you can make a nice, you know, a few extra uh, pounds out of it because uh, obviously you should be uh, on holiday, but now you're going to go to work instead. Um, so I have no idea. Perhaps it's some strange Irish law. Um, but um, there is a lot of um, conjecture about the real reason. Now, it could be the fact that they have suddenly decided to reorganize the leave. They realized that there was a legal requirement and they had to give it to all their pilots and all their pilots got on holiday. There are a lot of other people, particularly uh, out there in the media, who uh, think there are other reasons. And I was reading a um, report from a BBC, another very reputable news outlet here. Um, Never heard of them. Yeah. <laughs> B. Uh, yes. Uh, well, we went uh, BB British Broadcasting Company Broadcasting. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Nice. Quite. Um, so uh, their, their reporter there said he had spoken to a reasonable number of uh, Ryanair pilots who, of course, he couldn't name because uh, he said they're all uh, terrified in being named in case they lose their jobs. I think in the current environment, it's the last thing that they would probably do is fire these guys, but they certainly have a black mark against their names. Anyway, the word on the street uh, from these Ryanair pilots is that Ryanair is losing. They're leaking pilots very fast. They, they've had a 140 leave very recently, and they're going to uh, various other airlines. Uh, uh, you know, I think Norwegian was the yeah, big one. Norwegian's yeah, Norwegian's one, and someone mentioned Go is another, um, who are offering excellent uh, conditions um, in order to uh, recruit these guys. So they're all bailing out of Ryanair. Now, why would they do such a thing? Is it because perhaps Ryanair has an appalling attitude towards their pilots and their management have continually turned the screw on their pilot workforce for many, many years? I don't know. But uh, that seems to be the general feeling in the industry over here uh, and that it's an airline you go to if you're absolutely desperate. 
but uh, certainly they are they are they have a shortage an enormous shortage and they've sort of left it way too late to actually do something sensible uh, to try and fix the problem um, and we're just going to see how badly it will affect them it's going to cost them a lot of money i think in the long run even if it's just in reclaimed tickets and compensation in the uk if uh, it's a european law i think if they cancel a flight uh, within two weeks of you leaving, you're entitled to several hundred pounds of compensation. And uh, apparently, Ryanair, you can go onto their website and get it. Um, so uh, let alone the delays that are occurring to, on other flights. But most people have actually booked flights for holidays and things, or they may even be over abroad waiting to come home from a holiday. And then now they're finding out that the flights they were going to be on no longer exist, which is for them a nightmare. I'm on a, um, just speaking of the Berlin Marathon again, um, some of the Facebook groups that I'm a part of for people who are running the race have been really, uh, some of those folks have been really affected by this because they are traveling within Europe and have booked Ryanair flights and they've already posted quite a bit about their flights being canceled. So hopefully mm. all those people are able to make what it to the race mess. and get themselves rebooked somewhere. So yeah, not a good situation. So. At Acme Air, um, I think it's a contractual thing. It's not a U.S. law thing for us. It's a contract contractual agreement. And when we are on vacation, we call it, or holiday or whatever you leave, uh, you may not uh, volunteer to fly. Well, you may volunteer to fly, but they will not use you. You can't. They just cannot, no matter how much you beg for to come in and fly the airplane, they'll say, nope, you're on vacation and you cannot we cannot award you any flying uh we um that's at this a union point in our, thing contract yes thing? it's a union it's a contract for a yeah, union contract that we have and and even um you know that could change and i guess the uh ability to sell back vacation would be something that the union could negotiate in a future contract but that is not the provision we have right now so uh although there are other i don't want to go into all the details but there, there are things that we can do with our vac- vacation time um, other than just use it flat out for um, time off, but uh, in general, it's like one of those sacred things that uh, one, you know, if you have a a week of vacation or three weeks or whatever it is, and you know something terrible is happening with your airline, and you want to go in and volunteer to fly. They, you can't. It's just impossible to do. It's a contractual thing. Now, how about for you? We, we can't even get vacation time. Oh, you don't. You we're, don't. we're so short staffed. You put in for it, and you're like, uh, please, and it goes denied. So I mean, like, don't they eventually have to give you vacation? What do they no, do? We with have do they- we have rest rules, you know, for just the FARs being off duty. But then, yeah, it just builds up and builds up and builds up. But nothing in your contract about actually being able to take vacation time. Do you or, get anything for it? Like, get compensated? You can for that? you can cash it out. Yeah. For monetary, but to get the actual time off right now. Yeah. I I can't remember the last time I said, oh please, vacation on this one. I know. Mm-hmm. So will it carry over from year to year as well? Up to a certain amount. Okay. Wow. You'll you'll have guys that are leaving the airline who will put on all of their vacation time as pay into the last month. Wow. So they'll be getting thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on just the vacation time as the, after they leave the airline, which kind of helps when you're going over to another carrier. Right. Yeah. Cause you're probably going to start off at a lower salary. uh, They're like bank it, you know, no. In between yeah. checks, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, it's or like vacation. Ryanair have been offering their pilots, uh, apparently captains, um, between ten and twelve thousand pound bonus for signing on 
to ensure that they will not leave the company uh, for the next few months uh, just to kind of keep them on board. But in, in the typical way they have, they've attached various caveats to it, some of which are quite hard to achieve. So, you know, you think, oh, great, I'm going to get a you know, double pay this month. Uh, but no, there's all sorts of little you know, sort of rules you have to be able to adhere to before that happens. And uh, I, I was reading them. I, I don't have that article in front of me anymore. But, uh, you know, you think to yourself, if they want to, bring guys on and get them to sign on guaranteeing they won't leave the company in the next few months then just give them the money don't hang all sorts of rules and regulations around it just to make life more hard and be able to claw some of that money back perhaps it's, make them want to stay but, yeah, yeah that seems to be a sort of ryanair thing hmm well, interesting well, I was story. Gonna say, you know, not a it's certainly a, a difficult situation all the all the way around and not something to really make light of, but if you want to see a little bit of humorous uh a humorous take on this if you're a fan of the downfall parodies for anyone out there who knows what i'm talking about um there's actually a downfall parody about this particular subject that just came out and i'm sure a google search of it will point you in the right direction so that's the one quite, where uh hitler is uh yes it's where, where hitler's um angry and you know everyone's in the room and people leave and yeah and, and it was it was very Never seen clever any of those no <laughs> Yeah, so. it was very good. I saw it as well. Uh, definitely. Uh, I'll, I'll try to remember to put that in the show notes. Sure. Uh, you'll, I think you it would enjoy it. Yes. Um, and unfortunately, I probably need to head out Aww. momentarily. I'm sorry. I know. That's okay. Um, I do know there is a piece of feedback um, in the current folder for me from um, the Flying Kiwi from Lucas. If you want to hang on to it, I can do what Dana did and record a response yeah. to that. And oh, I'll try to perfect. get that to you before next week's show. So. Okay. Sorry, Lucas. We know we have your feedback and I will get that answer to you. Excellent. So. That's a great idea. Okay. Let's do that. Okay. Thanks, Steph. My pleasure. So. All right. Have a great time, Steph. Run well Thank in you. the marathon and enjoy that beer. And we're very jealous. Yes. Well, I'm looking very forward to, or very much forward to all of it and I can't wait. And yep. Time to go catch a flight. So. All right. <laughs> have a good one. Don't drink any beer. All right. Safe flight. All right. Bye, y'all. <laughs> Bye. All right. Um, well, here's an interesting one, Captain Nick and yes, Steve and everybody listening. Um, in Auckland, apparently, there was a company digging, uh, trying to extract, is that Kauri logs? Uh, K-A-U-R-I. I'm not, I'm, I've never heard of, hmm. must be some kind of a tree. Uh, they were uh, trying to cut these logs uh, and, uh, they ended up cutting an oil pipeline and just so happened to be the oil pipeline that uh, was the aviation fuel, uh, sole source going to the Auckland international airport. And, uh, yeah, so it's caused kind of a little problem over there. All flights coming into Auckland have been advised to carry enough extra fuel to get out again. That's not good. Oy. And uh, long-haul flights are being redirected to refueling stops at other New Zealand or international airports. Engineers are being flown in from Canada to help bring oil flows through the pipeline to full capacity gradually. And they said that it could take 10 to 14 days to restore normal supplies. Uh, now, uh, road transport, you know, like motor fuel, truck fuel, that kind of thing, is not affected at this stage because it can be supplied by tanker. And uh, But this pipeline was the only source of aviation fuel for the airport. Wow, what a what a problem! Bit of a nightmare. Yeah, 
So yeah, they said it's uh, it, they they cut the pipeline near Ruakaka on Thursday. I I wondered if you missed that, perhaps. I did. But, uh, <laughs> where, where was that exactly? <laughs> Why would I possibly miss Ruakaka? But uh, uh-huh. yeah. Okay. <laughs> now, it, but uh, I I've been to plenty of. Uh, say destinations and i'm thinking primarily here of say africa where sometimes the supply of aviation fuel isn't uh very um assured so uh all we do is we land with enough fuel to go to the airport just down the road and there's wellington just down the road from auckland no just mm-hmm. down the road it's a very short hop away and all you do is you embark your passengers with enough fuel to get to wellington pop in there fuel up to you know max tanks to head across the pacific or wherever and off you go so it hardly seems to be a um you know insurmountable problem but uh, it would just require a little bit of thinking out of the box that's all well glenn our resident kiwi well we have several actually that listen to the show he's in the chat room right now and he's saying yes uh, that uh, particular type of tree log that timber is very expensive so it must be uh, something you know valuable to dig up apparently so i wonder if that's you know, kari uh maybe it, it is seems kari. to be because pretty- because you know, uh, i, I think i'm trying to pronounce it like a uh, like a hawaiian name but it's not hawaii so <laughs> yeah yeah uh, there was a there's a, a lovely hardwood uh very tall trees uh it's a kind of a red wood uh that's in australia that uh uh, near where my father lives, that uh, they used to have vast forests, and they used to to, uh, to log that, and uh, they they made them into sleepers for the almost the entire of the Indian railway system. They used to pave the roads in London. Piccadilly was paved in this wood, um, which is a remarkable wood because uh, it is almost um, too hard to cut. And uh, it is impervious, got oil in it, so it won't rot. And uh, it starts off red, but it turns a beautiful silver over its life. And it is the most gorgeous wood. I wonder if it's uh, the same species or similar. Hmm. But anyway, that's a complete, (laughs) sorry, a complete (laughs) sideline to where we were going. But yeah, it's lovely. I I guess if I'd been thinking about it, I could have been playing that in the background. Yeah, uh, you should have done. (laughs) All right. But uh, they were Well, tell us more about that uh, wood, your wood there. No, they can't, (laughs) uh, they can't um, park um, uh, tanking ships near Auckland. You can't get to it. You can't provide uh, aviation fuel by ship, which you can do a lot of airports. I know some of the American airports, they uh, they keep their tanks topped up uh, mm-hmm. by parking tankers right next door and just feeding straight in. But apparently they can't do it at Auckland, so they're oh. a bit stuck there. Well, I hope that they get that pipeline fixed quickly, and I know that this is probably not having a positive effect on the uh, airport well, if operations. If they're getting the Canadians in, it'll probably be fixed toot sweet. There you go. Those Canadians, man. Yeah, the they're French doing. Canadians would be fixed toot sweet. <laughs> All right. And then uh, finally, uh, the last thing we have in our uh, news folder was uh, put in there by, I, I didn't put it in there, so maybe you did, Nick. Did you do this? Uh, well, I just dropped it in there because it was just it just annoyed the hell out of me. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, tell us about this. What are we talking well, about? Well, it was here? it was in the Daily Mail, and it went flashing around the internet, and uh, everyone's going, "Oh my God, look at these airplanes! They nearly collided." Now you'll have to go to the show notes to see the picture, but it just so happens that uh, some gentleman was lying in his backyard, uh, not far from London, 
and he picked up his camera and took pictures of an aircraft or of aircraft in a holding pattern. It just so happened that one crossed over or under the other at the time he took his pictures. Now, because he's taking these pictures with the telephoto lens, and it uh, appears, yeah. uh -huh. it visually foreshortens distances, the telephoto lens. Uh, and you can't really judge the distance anyway because you don't know the specific sizes of these uh, two different aircraft. They look very close. So This is oh. the heart-stopping moment. Two passenger oh, jets God. appear to have come perilously close as they have prepared dun, to land. Dun, dun. Wow. Absolutely. Wow. I mean, how they didn't hit each other. Oh, good. And, of course, you go through this, this dramatic article, and then right at the end it says, a spokesperson for Virgin Atlantic, one of the aircraft involved, uh, said the aircraft were absolutely safe at a regulated distance of at least 1,500 feet apart and at no time was safety compromised. But that's the last thing you get in the entire article. Which so, completely negates the entire article preceding it. They probably didn't exactly. want to put it in at all. Yeah. <laughs> uh -oh, well, I guess we got to do it. We won't yeah. have anything unless we... Uh, they had exactly. to say that. So, it's it's just a classic, and and I'll tell you what those those two skippers of those airplanes probably um, we had to go and you know phone calls from their companies saying what the hell happened in the hold today blah blah there's this big thing in the news, and they're going what I'm on a day off I'm tired what's going on and it's all something about nothing. So there wow. you go. Well, the way they're lined up in this picture, they didn't nearly collide from this angle. They they're on top of each other. They're one in the same. It's amazing yeah. there wasn't a fireball. Oh my! Yeah. Uh, Those people. So close. Yep. So close. Those are probably drunk pilots. Must have. Oh, been. I'm bound to be. Yeah. Yeah. Must have. Been. <laughs> okay. Heart-stopping moment. Heart Astonishing set of photographs. Yes. After well. doing one circuit, they circled again, and this time they crossed paths virtually on top of one another. Yeah. Well, okay. we owe a debt of thanks. Those are amazing. Gratitude pilots. to Chris Hine, <laughs> age 70, in his garden in By Fleet, Surrey. Exactly. Right. Um, we wouldn't have known no. if he hadn't. Uh, no. That, and I'm sure he has some good photos of <laughs> trail, or I mean, at Kent Kent trails. Trail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's move on to the best part of your show, or our show, or whoever's show it is your feedback. Captain. Incoming message. Thank you. All right. Uh, let's start off with uh, Stefan or Stephen or however he pronounces it. Uh, hey, Jeff, read the entire feedback for you. So I could. Oh, this is from Dana, actually. <laughs> Forget about that part. Forget you heard me read that. Hi, APG crew. Oh, you know what? <laughs> Take two. Yeah, okay. I think it's a good time. You have done this before, that. haven't you, Jeff? Uh, once or twice. <laughs> believe it or not, it's hard to believe. <laughs> I'm going to let, uh, you know, I mentioned earlier that Dana isn't with us in person, but uh, he is with us in spirit and in audio, pre-recorded audio. And he is going to uh, start off the uh, feedback with this. Hello, APG listeners. This is First Officer Dana. I'm off flying this week and I'm unable to join the podcast, but I'd like to help out with some of the feedback so here we go. Thanks for a great podcast, which makes the commute to work so much more fun. My name is Stefan, and I, li I live in Sweden. I'm not a pilot, but work in the IT industry. In my spare time, I fly the PMDG 737NGX in level D simulations. 
Also, the 767 Microsoft Flight Simulation X, the Steam Edition. I have always wondered if I would be able to land in a real 737 or 76 simulator. Here is a video Lucky Flight Simulator got to a chance to land a real 737 simulator. I think that video will be uh, probably available in the show notes. I'm sure Jeff, Jeff will make that available. And there's the video. What do you think about home flight sims? Are they are there professional airline pilots who fly PC simulators on their spare time? Well, Stefan, thank you for the feedback and the two questions here. Uh, I would believe that you'd be able to, even with just a little bit of coaching, be able to land uh, any type of uh, full motion simulator. The, the big thing is you, you probably have the basic instrument scan and the basic skills down and understand how the aircraft flies. So uh, just a little coaching, and, and the big difference would probably be the, the feeling of the motion. But I believe with a little practice a couple times around the padding, you'd probably be able to be successful uh, landing in the 7.3 or the 7.6 simulator. Uh, the nice thing about simulator is just that. It just simulates. It's uh, no risk to you, and body or harm. So uh, it's certainly there are uh, avenues in which if you really want to try it, um, you could uh, certainly look up uh, flight safety or a couple different ones that I can't think of off the top of my head. Uh, maybe uh, the crew can help out with answering that. Uh, but certainly there are op opportunities for you to actually do that if you want to. Uh, also, uh, what about home flight sims and professional airlines who pilots who fly PC simulators? I'll be honest with you, Stefan, I used to fly, be an avid flight simulator guy, uh, up until um, I got into the regional business. And when I got to the regional level, I decided that uh, when I went to work and flew, that was enough for me. Uh, and I came home and wanted to spend my time my time, uh, you know, enjoying other things other than flying the simulators. I will say this, though, I felt as though it was uh, an excellent building tool, uh, helped me with my instrument scan, helped me build my skills to eventually become a professional airline pilot. Now, I do know some other uh, uh, friends of mine that do still uh, use the simulators, so it, it's all personal preference, but, uh, you know, it's what you enjoy when you, when you get off of work. A lot of airline pilots own their own airplanes, so you know it, there's 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 no reason why guys and girls that are pilots doing it for a living that are not uh, doing it if if they choose to. So thanks for the great feedback. I know uh, it's not uh, it's not uh, a a podcast without your great feedback and taking the time to write into us. We certainly do appreciate it, and thank you very much for listening. Hope you everybody has a great day. Bye bye. Well, thank you, Dana for uh, chipping in on that. And uh, I do not have any experience whatsoever in uh, PC simming. Do you, have you ever ventured into that? Uh, Steve? When I was back in flight school, I would do most of the time in instrument training. Um, I would have a flight sim on my computer in the dorm room at college. And I would do, you know, a cross country prior to doing a real cross country in the airplane and actually have the charts and everything. And, and you kind of knew the frequencies that you're coming up on and the VORs and the airways. And that's when we used real charts and real VORs and none of this GPS stuff. Yeah. And back then I did it, but if you really think about it, that's all we do. We didn't learn to fly in an MD 80 or in a CRJ or in an Airbus. Right. We learned in a, a simulator and then went to the airplane and flew it. 
and especially simulator procedures. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, instrument training and practices, oh. uh, the simulator is fine for that. I mean, you yeah. don't need the full motion and yeah. all that kind of stuff. I, I will say that probably, and, and uh, we'll put this, um, this linked YouTube video in the show notes where this guy was saying, you know, that he had had all this experience on a, a desktop simulator. And then he went into a real simulator and he said, one of the things that you'll, you'll see in this video is the fact that he was really amazed at how hard it was to move the controls. Mm -hmm. I, I think, you know, when you're at a, 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 a home simulator, I think everything kind of really moves easily and you don't have a lot of that feedback, that pressure that you, yeah. uh, that you actually, uh, not fight against, but you you have in a um, in a in a real airplane or a real airplane simulator. Well, and each simulator and each airplane is all going to be different depending yeah. on how it's set up. So you go from one to the other, mm -hmm. completely different. My first officer this morning, we're taking off, and I'm like, all right, a little bit more, a little bit more pressure on the rudders there, and keep it down the runway. He's like, man, if you do that in the simulator, you're you're off into la la land. Mm -hmm. And so you know, getting the difference in the feel between the two. Um, that's, that's just the hardest thing right there. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Nick, have you, uh, dabbled at all? I believe you said you did once or twice, uh, in the, uh, the old simulator, uh, PC simulator. World oh, absolutely. Yeah. When I was a PC man, I used to do that a lot. Um, yeah, we, uh, I used to build my own PCs and I used to do a lot of gaming. Uh, I was a member of a few clans, used to play Battlefield and uh, Call of Duty, all that kind of stuff. Uh, uh, really enjoyed it. And um, flight simming was uh, um, something else I also did. Uh, used to do it online with uh, some aviation groups. Um, and um, since I moved to Mac, then it doesn't really work quite as well on Mac. They're not really designed for games, which is a shame. But um, I used to enjoy practicing, um, particularly when we're coming up for our, um, you know, six monthly sims. If we were going, uh, doing the sims out of a, an airfield that I hadn't been to very often, uh, we would often know what departures and arrivals were going to fly. So I used to practice those just so I used to pick up on any unusual things on the, uh, on the departure procedures. So I practiced the level offs and just see if there was something there that might catch me out in the in the real sim when I get to do it uh, that I would benefit from from doing the procedure a few times and I just like you know bombing around in a glider or something like that you know the the simulation is so good and the visuals are just stunning it was just a lovely way to waste a few hours I've still got a friend down the road who does it uh, he's very keen and he's always um, you know, chatting to me about it so I sort of uh, do it vicariously through him now but I uh, don't do it anymore I'm afraid but I think it's great fun uh, and I uh, would recommend it to anyone who uh, enjoys that sort of thing and uh, I think particularly when you start your airline career it's not a bad idea when you're going to airfields that you haven't been to before and they are mapped so beautifully uh, in something like Microsoft Flight Simulator particularly if you get all the scenery out on um, that you can get the real plates and you can actually physically do the real departures and see what the terrain looks like around and all that kind of stuff. So I think it has great benefit. Awesome. And uh, basically his question is, do you think that he'd be, or he is wondering if he'd be able to really, you know, land a real 737 or 767 yeah. simulator? And I Absolutely. think, yeah, sure. Yeah, I think in the sim he would uh, have, it would be good. He'd, he'd, he'd fall into it straight away. Yeah. Uh, the real aircraft is a different matter. And the only reason I say that is because the main difference between the real airplane uh, 
and the simulator Steve has already alluded to. It's it's the mental factor. You've got a real aeroplane around you. In the sim, it's no, <laughs> there's no jeopardy. You can walk away from it uh, and you can let it crash itself or you can crash it. It matters not. But when oh, you've that... actually got a few hundred tons of aeroplane and passengers and uh, all that pressure, commercial pressure, uh, and the pressure of actually physically putting it on the runway for real. That is such a different mental game to get yourself into. That's the difference. Although I must say that it is possible to crash a simulator. And I don't mean just simulate an airplane crash while you're in the simulator, but actually mess up the simulator. To knock it off. Like, yeah, I mean, I've, I've heard stories where, where people have done such a bad job that they actually took the simulator out of surface for a while. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Excellent. Anyway. And even even those, the, the simulator, the motion gets you going and the, the visuals get you going. You don't want to crash it. No matter how much you sit there and say, oh, this, you're like, oh, they're like, bounce the landing so that you can learn how to go around off a of bounce landing. And you're like, I, I can't do it. I don't want to do it. But right. Yeah, and the instructors, I don't know if it's the same in your world, Steve, but the uh, our instructors, if they're if you're going to do a crash, they will never actually let you crash. They <laughs> yeah. will never let you crash it. They will freeze it before you get to that moment. Uh, in my last Sims, we were doing uh, a ditching. So, uh, you know, we had a, a multiple engine failure over the middle of the Atlantic, no diversions available. So we went through the procedures of gliding the airplane down, trying to get the engines going, all the various thought factors, all the various different things we could try. And in the end, uh, we went through the process of, well, doesn't it look like we're going to get an, en an engine back? Uh, let's stop this now and concentrate on the ditch. And then we went through all the briefings with the cabin crew and all the correct calls and getting the ditching checklist run through. And it's not something you practice very often because, you know, it's just reading a checklist and doing it. But actually, it does require some thought. Uh, and it's useful to have done it every now and again. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we went down and we assessed the line of the waves and we lined the airplane up and we're practicing getting it at the right speed and the right attitude, exactly 11 degrees nose up for the Airbus. And, um, but before we settle onto the water, he froze it because he said, Oh, we don't actually want you to crash it. <laughs> <laughs> Is that because, I, why would that be for psychological reasons or the fact I, that you could actually mess I up the simulator? I don't know, Jeff. <laughs> I never asked him. I should I think have I could probably him. break the simulator probably, for a yeah, while. If anyway. you do it hard enough. Yeah. You know, yeah. one of the, you guys sound like you work too hard in the sim. Like <laughs> once we've done everything, we, we have fun with it. Like, oh, we've still got a couple hours to kill here and uh, we've already done everything oh, we God. needed to. Oh, Steve, I was a, if we had two hours of spare time left in the sim, we'd have a ball, but <laughs> every minute is full of something. It's yeah. very rare to get spare We've got time. a little bit of built-in time to like do some repeats on a few things. And when I was a, almost ready to upgrade, I was paired up with a very, very senior captain and a very, he very looks over at me. senior, <laughs> a senior <laughs> instructor. And we somehow drew the short straws and got the late night, like 2 a.m. slot for the sim. Mm. And so the instructor is half asleep back in this him just like, and this captain looks back there. It's like, let's see if we can wake him up back there. He yanked that sim really hard, and the instructor goes flying out of the seat because he didn't have the little seatbelt on, lands on the floor over there, and just, whoa, what was that? Hi, oh, you're awake. Okay, good. You could really go. hurt somebody in those things. He was clean out of the chair. Wow. We were, oh, I love it. Oh, man, it was 
Yeah, we we, had, we usually yeah. say like if, if if it's a four hour sim period and we end up doing everything we need to do in let's say two and a half three hours and hey, you want to do anything else <laughs> usually it's like no, no let's go I, I'm out of here <laughs> I don't want to do I find it, it depends on the instructor if you've got a good instructor and you're mm-hmm. having fun uh, then yeah and particularly when he comes up with something we I've got a, an instructor I love flying with him and when we've done all the all the required things there he says well we've got some free free time for some handling practice and i'm all up for that Mm -hmm. but just flying it around for the sake of flying it's no fun so uh, one of the scenarios he sets up is all right you're on this runway at jfk i want you to get airborne i want you to do a turn uh, and i want you to do a roller on this runway at laguardia and i want you to turn again and uh, this time do a roller at teterborough come straight off teterborough and go into laguardia then i want you to come around and fly across Manhattan I want you to do a roller off Central Park and and he has this whole scenario and if you fly it right and uh, he tells you what sort of speeds and and where to hold your flight because you're not certain how much time you've got between each one of these actions uh, he, he just says okay just go to a thousand feet and flap two on this one and then you put the gear back down and then you're back in it's just so much fun and and then slowly as you're going through this profile he's increasing the crosswind and lowering the cloud base and making life just a little harder for you depending on how well you're getting on and it's fantastic handling practice great fun and you come out of it at the end of it you know think oh that was brilliant <laughs> i think also part of the thing with 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 my airline is seems like 75 80 percent of the time the people that are in this that i'm in the sim with are not based in atlanta and they have commuter flights and they just want to get out of town they want to get over to the airport and try to get home as soon as they can so i guess that's part of it as well but yeah. uh yeah. Anyway, we, we we get that too, and I've been on those those dreadful sims that we mm. you know start at two a.m. and finish at oh, seven a.m. or whatever, and they're awful. So yeah, I'm the same, Steve. Sometimes I just want to get yeah. out of the box. Up and yeah. up. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, great feedback. Thank you, Stefan, for uh, sending it in, and uh, I think I think we did a pretty good job of kind of covering all the uh, bases on that one. Um, Mark. Uh, he's been doing this a lot. Uh, I, I see now it's kind of, uh, he's kind of, uh, doing a thing Al- almost like, um, uh, what's the guy's name? Uh, Jeff Foxworthy. You might be a redneck yeah. if so, uh, Mark is doing, you might be, you might have APG syndrome. If, if you've ever been noticed in public humming or singing Java jive out loud, then you likely suffer from APG syndrome. Yeah. APG syndrome. APG syndrome. Thank you, Mark, for for that. And I know you've done it before. And I have a feeling we're probably going to see some more of those from him. So thank you. Those are fun. Liz Um, Piper says she equates it to singing the go around song. Yeah. Uh, In fact, today. Coming into San Antonio, I'm looking at the situation that's kind of sort of unfolding in front of us. There's a citation out there that I don't know where they were going, and uh, they didn't sound very confident in <laughs> what they were doing here. And I'm thinking, hmm, you know, it was, it was a uh, first officer's leg, but I'm thinking, yeah, I'm wondering if uh, we're going to have to go around here. So I start thinking about, you know, what we're going to do and the go-around procedures. And then, of course, inevitably. I thought of the song. 
You can always go around. I'm doing a terrible <laughs> job with that. Where is it? Right here. You can ah, I was on the wrong key. Coming down. You can always go around. All right. Uh, Christian writes in. Uh, he's here in Toronto. Yeah, up in the great white north. I'm a newcomer to the podcast, having first joined around 282. I'm loving it, but I'm convinced that Miami Rick is a figment of your collective imagination because I have yet to hear his voice. Well, Christian... I'm not sure if you listened to our last episode, but I still, I think I have his feedback still here, or at least uh, Steph's feedback, uh, where I think you might be able to hear his hey, voice. Hey, Dr. Steph, Steph of here, and I might be the luckiest person in the world, because this week I've seen, oh dear, he's making I a hear, mess of things I hear in the background, he just dropped our something. long-lost friend, yeah, Miami uh, Rick, not once, but twice. So I'm going to pass it over to him so he can give you a little update on what is going on. He just dropped all of his <laughs> luggage all over the floor, but we're all Everybody good to go now. So laugh anywhere. Take it away. Hey, everybody. So my suitcase here is a little, uh, it's a little center gravity is a little high, so it just went, you know, okay. all over the place. There you I go. picked it up. But that to it by now. is Miami Rick. It's He's like, not a figment of anybody's imagination. He's already no, to no, about center I, of gravity. I, I, like, and like, I know. It's yeah, like, well, where's the darn Ricketts? Thing, you know? No, no, it, that, that suitcase, you see, it's made by Boeing, so, uh, you know, <laughs> oh, that explains it all. Oh, boy. <laughs> anyway, uh, so he continues uh, in episode 388. Uh, 388, wow. I don't think we've gotten boy. there yet. <laughs> I'm a little bit ahead of us. Yeah. Uh, I think maybe 288. You were reminiscing about, or no, that wasn't even 288. I don't know when we were doing it, but he said you were in a previous episode reminiscing about Pan Am Airways. When I was a child of about seven years old, I had the privilege of traveling around the Pacific Ocean much of the way on Pan Am Airways 747s, and it's always held a special place in my heart. I still have memories of helping, he puts in quotes, the uh, flight attendants on the long trans-Pacific flights, delivering items to passengers, and even being taken down to a galley that was down on the lower level below the the main deck. When Pan Am shut down, I felt true sadness. I didn't realize that the 747s had a lower galley. I know that the L-1011s did. Uh, I didn't know either. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, well, the early ones did. Because uh, I remember, uh, I don't know whether we started with a 100 or 200 series, mm-hmm. but that had a, a galley below the deck. Oh, mm. how about that? I did. There's enough room there. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah apparently uh, it used to get really hot down there. And the girls that were on galley duty down there because they weren't amongst the passengers and it got very hot, used to take their uniforms off and hang them up on a hanger and then just work in the galley and the food just went up on a sort of dumb waiter. Mm-hmm. So they'd be down there in their bar and panties down there. I'd heard the same thing. You know, I just heard from other people uh, that uh, that was the same thing that happened uh, on Acme's L-1011s. Well, there you go. Yeah. Uh, that's all I can say about that. However, Pan Am and its logo do live on today. In 1998, Guilford Transportation Industries bought the name, colors, and logo of Pan American World Airways. Pan Am Railways operates out of North Billerica, Massachusetts today, with engines painted in the deep blue with the Pan Am Globe logo applied to them. And he sent in some links to pictures of this. 
I'll put those links in the show notes so you can look at them as well. And he also has a link to their official website, panamrailways.com. And he said, so while their equipment may not have still have wings, the beautiful logo and name still exists as a train geek, also known as a rail fan, train spotter to Nick, or even a foamer. I've never heard of that term. This railway holds a special place in my heart. Thanks for all you folks do. Christian Base, Richmond Hill, Ontario, near Waypoint, New Deck, apparently under the approach path to Toronto's Pearson's Runway 23. So Liz, she's probably familiar with that, and Andy. Uh, so thank you, Christian, for that. And uh, Yeah, I looked at those pictures. They're gorgeous pictures, actually. They're stunning-looking paint job on those uh, those engines. Yeah. All right, moving on. Uh, Chris Weitzel uh, sent in... Uh, some feedback. He says, if, uh, if you scroll through this recent Harrison Ford interview, I believe it was in GQ magazine, um, he uh, Ford talks about the incident earlier this year when he landed on a taxiway instead of a runway. Some salty language, but well worth revisiting. And uh, so uh, the, the headline is Harrison Ford on Star Wars, Blade Runner, and punching Ryan, Ryan Gosling in the face. It was an accident, apparently. Uh, so we'll uh, put a link to this article in the show notes so you can uh, get to the part where, or you can read the whole thing, but uh, the little part where he talks about flying and um, and the fact that uh, well, he talks a little bit about his accident in his World War II era open cockpit plane. They landed, uh, or he landed in a golf course, and I don't know how he survived that, really. Um, yeah, and uh, he talks a little bit about that, and then, of course, his embarrassing uh, incident uh, landing on a taxiway at John Wayne uh, Orange County Airport in Southern California. So, thanks, Chris. They're, they're remaking uh, Blade Runner, and yeah. Harrison Ford's going to be in it. I don't know whether he plays the original uh, Blade Runner or not. But yeah, in uh, fact, really- the, uh, the the incident with him uh, hitting uh, Gosling in the face uh, has something to do with the fact that they were filming Blade Runner. I believe. All right, excellent. I saw the preview for it the other day. Oh, yeah. That's, that's yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Oh, yeah. I, I'm such a fan of the original. I'm, mind mm-hmm. you, I think part of it's to do with the amazing uh, photographic techniques they used in those days because they were just about at the pinnacle of uh, optical effects uh, and using these amazing vast models, and they flew cameras over these cityscapes. And it absolutely gorgeous. And when you see it on a Blu-ray uh, DVD and see it in uh, high fidelity, it looks superb. It really does. Cool. All right. Uh, Ross says, hey, Jeff, I just saw this video of a 727 taxiing and noticed that the thrust reverser buckets come out on a single engine during the taxi roll. Scroll to 4 minutes 45 seconds to see what I mean. And then he sends a link to this YouTube video. I did. Um, and I looked at it. It's one of it's a more like a, a modern um, renovation of a 727, kind of a business jet. Looked like uh, maybe one of the Saudi princes or something. You know, it was a, a pretty fancy looking, uh, nice looking 727, nice paint job. Had winglets on it. And um, it had the um, conversion uh, of the engines, and I believe that the engines were uh, more like the engines on the uh, Mad Dog uh, that I fly. And uh, they have the the big buckets, um, the reverse uh, buckets. By the way, 
the uh, when Acme flew the 727, and many of the major airlines did, uh, didn't it didn't use it was the version of the JT8D. I think it was the Dash 15 or 15A. And the, the, they didn't have like a big giant external buckets that come together like what you see on like a lot of like the clamshells. Yeah. But they did actually internally have the clamshells. They just didn't stick out uh, away from the fairings of the air. So they have these cascade doors that open up and cascade veins. And then these buckets internally would redirect the flow. And uh, so you, you really wouldn't see that action of the reversers on the uh, on the original 727s. But now because, you know, the, the noise requirements and, and uh, fuel consumption requirements that people have, uh, they've retrofitted to a much more fuel efficient airplane or engines. And when they're doing this kind of retrofit that on this particular video, um, they have reverse on one and three. But on the number two engine, there is no reverser. It's just a straight, uh, you know, non-reversed engine and uh, i looked at this part of the video that he was talking to me about and i think uh ross if you look again look very very closely you'll see that when he puts out the uh the reversers that appears it was only one but actually the number three was coming out as well it's just hard to see because the the vertical stab was blocking uh, and the rudder were blocking out the view that you have of the other one but i could see a little piece of that reverser coming out on on both sides now uh, when I used to fly the 727, uh, it was a very common thing for us to use, or I don't know if everybody did it, but I like to do it. It really saved wear and tear on the brakes uh, and kept them from getting overheated uh, by using some reverse instead of applying the brakes. And it just tends to be a little bit smoother as well. Um, I used the number two uh, engine. So the one and three uh, reversers and the cascade vanes and the clamshells internally where it would send the uh, exhaust straight up and straight down but on the number two it would send it out to the sides and uh, so it was like you know 90 degrees off mm -hmm. as far as the reverse system and it was a really really cool way to uh, slow the airplane down and keep from riding the brakes and uh, so basically Ross your question is why would they uh, why would they do this in normal operations? How come only a single engine? Well, of course, that, that question really is applicable here in this case. Why put the bu buckets out instead of just backing the thrust off and using the brakes? And that's why. Uh, it's because it just um, makes for a smoother operation. Now, um, we don't do it. We're not really supposed to do it at all on the Mad Dog that I fly today because of the fact that the reverse is directed up and down. It can actually kick up a lot of stuff, debris, on the taxiways and the runways and actually get sucked into the front of the engine and cause foreign object damage and that's expensive so they basically said don't do that you know basically anything you know lower than well at 80 knots we're supposed to be at reverse idle and by about 60 knots they really don't want us to be using reverse at all uh, on on my particular particular airplane because of that uh, foreign object damage uh, potential so I hope that answers your question. Do you uh, uh, you use same reverse? thing? Yeah. Same thing with us. They say don't you know below sixty knots. Get okay. it to idle, thirty percent N one. Bring it back there. Mm -hmm. And uh, and if you're running two engines and a taxi and a light airplane, you are standing on those brakes the whole time. Mm -hmm. And oh, um, because just the forward thrust, just the forward thrust at yeah. idle. And it'd be nice to at least get it into into a beta position where it's not doing anything. But yeah, they don't want us to do that at all. Yeah. All right. Uh, anything to add, uh, Captain Nick? I'm, I would imagine reverse on the type of airplane that you fly 
Uh, is is reverse on uh, on the 340? It's a four engine airplane. Is reverse on all four engines only the t- only the inboards, or how does that work? All four. The uh, outboards uh, have got an interlink so that you can't engage uh, more than idle um, unless both re- reverses have deployed to prevent you uh, getting a lot of yawing force if one engages and the other one doesn't. And uh, we have to have them back at idle by 70 knots, and we disengage them before we turn off the runway. Okay. Very, very similar. Yeah. I would imagine that the uh, the wing-mounted engines is probably even more critical yeah. than the airplane that uh, airplanes that Steve and I fly. The engines are mounted on the on the tail. Well, and remember back in the day, they used to do that power back mm-hmm. as well, which you see videos of that going crazy and spraying stuff all over the ramp, and we don't see that anymore. So That's why my airline never ne, my airline never did that because they they said it wasn't worth the uh, you know you're saving some money here but you're also causing more engine damage and you know spending money there so they said no we're not going to yeah. do that all right good thank you Ross for that um, Liz have you ever heard of this young lady up in uh, Canada Toronto I know it's Canada I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, she, uh, sent in a piece of feedback with a link to an article about Ericsson, uh, aerotankers. Uh, they, uh, retrofit, um, airplanes to, uh, become, uh, fire aerial tankers. And I guess they ended up, Ericsson's, uh, bought several, um, used MD, obviously used MD 87s. You can't buy a new one these days. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, apparently, uh, they were issued a, uh, supplemental type certificate by the FAA for this operation. I guess they mounted a, um, like an external tank, um, in the, the, below the fuselage, just forward of the, uh, the wing route. And, uh, that's where, the uh, the fire retardant material um, is dropped. I don't know if it's stored inside the fuselage and it just comes out from this external tank, or if it's just all contained in this external tank. And it really doesn't matter in this case. Um, but uh, there's a picture here in this article where it shows a uh, the uh, the and basically, uh, by the way, the uh, MD87 is uh, pretty much the same as an MD88. I think the only difference is uh, maybe some of the uh, avionics inside the airplane. Um, and uh, but they had the gear down, so you know you you've seen uh, the aerial tankers, the 747, and the DC more commonly the DC 10s or MD 11s dropping bunches of fire retardant, uh, and maybe even some of the older uh, airplanes like the Mars, uh, the Mart- Martin Mars uh, uh, seaplane. Um, but they you never see the gear hanging down. Well, on the on the Mad Dog here, the gear is hanging down, and Ericsson is petitioned. Uh, the FAA and say, Hey, can't we like do this? And won't you, you know, sign us off to be able to use 40 flaps, uh, but we can keep the gear up. And I, I don't know why, maybe because of fuel consumption or maybe in this picture, there's a lot of fire retardant, uh, kind of spewing back and getting probably all over the, <laughs> that can't be good on no. those tires. Yeah, it doesn't look like it would be a, a good thing, but, uh, basically the FAA said, no, uh, because uh, it does something or has something to do with the fact that uh, the, uh, the stall warning characteristics or the stall characteristics of the airplane uh, are altered enough where they, uh, they don't think it's safe. Uh, one of the uh, people commented on the, um, 
on the article. Let me see if I can find this comment. Um, yes, uh, this gentleman's name is Bean or she. Um, he, here's the bottom line, and they, they linked to uh, the actual document that the FAA put out regarding this um, fire tanker conversion on the 87. Uh, the EAT MD87, as modified with an external tank, exhibits unfavorable stall characteristics in the Flaps 40 landing gear configuration. The petitioner proposes no additional design mitigations to enhance safety and aid the pilots, such as uh, low speed alerting prior to the stick shaker stall warning. Airspeed callouts are not adequate. Pilot callouts can easily be missed due to other distractions in a high workload environment, such as aerial. Uh, firefighting. Furthermore, training requirements do not propose additional means for maintaining operational airspeeds. And I think another, well, you know, I think Dana also um, kind of threw in some, uh, his two cents worth on, on this, and we'll get to him in a second, but uh, and maybe he mentions it in his feedback. Let's, let's, let's just listen to what Dana has to say about this. I did want to weigh in on the FAA requires Ericsson's MD-87s to drop retardant with landing gear down. And they're citing the fact that the aircraft is uh, it, it's for stall prevention. Um, and I don't believe, uh, you know, they may have other things that I'm not aware of, but I don't believe that may be the case. I really think it's probably because the way that the aircraft is configured, especially once it gets close to the ground, and in the photograph it, it is... Uh, it's apparent it's right at treetop level, actually. Um, but the landing gear is uh, linked with the uh, warning system, and that is if the flaps and slats are beyond the setting of 24 degrees, and more specifically the flaps, slats are already out, um, 24 degrees, you're going to get an unsilenceable landing gear warning. And that will occur uh, the entire time you have that landing, you have the aircraft in a flaps 28 or 40, which are normal landing flap configurations. Uh, anytime you're in those configurations without the landing gear down, you'll get an unsilenceable warning. The other thing is, is you've got uh, another, uh, maybe it, it, it plays into it a little bit, I don't know. But anytime the landing gear is down for drag purposes, the uh, they have we have a system on the aircraft that, uh, which is designed called Auto Throttle Advanced, and that's designed to uh, counteract a little bit of the drag, and that's about a seven to ten percent increase uh, in thrust uh, available to the aircraft, uh, which you have as a pilot have no control over. Um, and that is a little more thrust that's available to counteract the, the effect of the drag from the landing gear. Well, that's about it for me right now, you guys, uh, ladies and gentlemen. I should say, have a great day. Appreciate uh, you guys listening and have a, uh, we'll hope to see you next week. Bye-bye. So, you know, he makes a good point. Uh, when, once you get to that landing flap setting on our airplane and the gear is not down, it just landing gear, landing gear, landing gear, and it just keeps on going and going and going. So I'd imagine if they were to operate the airplane without the gear down in this landing flap configuration, that they would have some, they would have to have some way to turn off that warning. Well, the problem is, <laughs> you've turned everything off. You've turned off the the warning, and now you're coming back, and you're going to land at an airport. And what if you forget to turn the darn thing back on again, and you forget to put the gear down? You know, so I, I could see the FAA's concern here uh, that, you know, and maybe if Ericsson uh, comes up with a, a another system to kind of. Uh, mitigate some of these uh, possibilities. Uh, maybe, maybe the FAA will relook at the situation. But anyway, interesting. Um, 
to see uh, this uh, airplane being used for it, you know, for this kind of role and the fact that, uh, you know, they, they are uh, kind of struggling uh, with the FAA to allow them to do something and the FAA is saying, nope, I'm not going to let you do it. So any, uh, any opinion or take on that, uh, Captain Nick? No, the, the thoughts that I had uh, have been covered by you guys. Okay. So, uh, yeah. Excellent. Great brains think alike, right? Great minds. Absolutely. All right. Um, let's see. Uh, would this be a good time to uh, play this week's installment of Plain Tales? Yeah, sir. All right. Let's do it. Old pilots playing tales. A late night flight, please. As you may know, New York has a special place in my heart. So I was delighted when Liz Piper, one of our Canadian listeners, told me about this story. Go to a cocktail bar in uptown New York and ask for a late night flight. And the chances are that your mixologist won't have heard of it, nor of the feats of flying that brought about the concoction. But I wonder if the quiet Joe Gillespie of an early plain tale, who mixed drinks for the first men on the moon, would tap his nose and say, A late night flight, sir, coming right up. It was actually assembled by Danny Beeson, of the New Leaf Bar, which still exists and is located in a 1930s slate and fieldstone cottage tucked away in Upper Manhattan's Fort Tyron Park. The Michelin Guide describes the restaurant's stone walls and arched windows as lovely and suggests lunch out on the flagstone terrace with stunning unparalleled views of the dramatic palisades. The late-night flight cocktail consists of half an ounce of Couleur, one and a half ounces of vodka, half an ounce of Chambord, five blackberries, one egg white and a dash of simple syrup. Pour the Couleur into the base of a cocktail glass. In a separate mixing glass, muddle the blackberries, add the Chambord and one ounce of the vodka. Shake this with ice and then strain carefully into a layer over the couleur. In another mixing glass, shake the egg white, syrup and the remaining half an ounce of vodka without ice to create an emulsion. Layer the foam on the top to finish off the cocktail. The origins of the drink go back to the 50s, 1956 to be precise, and an unremarkable New York steam fitter called Tommy Fitzpatrick, who was drinking in a bar on St. Nicholas Avenue, near 191st Street. Fitzpatrick was from a generation of hard-working, hard-drinking men who had fought in a world war. Indeed, Fitz was a U.S. Marine who served in the Pacific Theater and again in the Army during the Korean War, where he was wounded. A native of Washington Heights, he now lived in New Jersey, but still hung out with his old friends. 
Fred Hartling remembered Fitz well, as he was a friend of Fred's older brother. He recalled that he was a charismatic, adventurous type, who would butter up his mother to let him sleep over at the Hartling's apartment and convince her to let Pat go out to the bars. Tommy had his crazy side, he said. The whole group of them, my brother's friends, were a wild bunch. It was the end of a night's drinking. Indeed, it was now in the wee hours of September the 30th that the wild bunch left a tavern to head home. No one is quite sure how the challenge came about, but a bet resulted. As they weaved down the road, Tommy bet one of his drunken buddies that he could get back to the bar from New Jersey in only 15 minutes. Of course, the journey was impossible, even by car on the quiet streets of the 1950s, so the bet was eagerly accepted. Tommy, however, had a trick up his sleeve, and in a classic hold-my-beer moment, he travelled quickly out to Teterboro Airport. It was here that, after the war, we believe he had learned to fly. Making for the Teterboro School of Aeronautics, Tommy found an aircraft to borrow. From the photographic evidence, it appears to have been a super cub, a good choice for the antics that were about to be performed. At around 3am and without any lights, Tommy Fitz started the little lycoming engine and in a fog of alcoholic fumes taxied out to the runway. Since learning about this story, I wonder if at this point he had any doubts, but as you will realise when the story concludes, I think not. Opening up the throttle, Tommy eased the little tail dragger up off the grass and into what I hope was a moonlit sky. Apparently it is reported that his initial intention was to fly to a field at George Washington High School, just a few blocks from the tavern he had recently left, and a mere six miles east of Teterboro. Indeed, the Jacob K. Javits Athletic Field still exists, surrounded by Fort George Avenue. However, on the night in question, the field wasn't lit and it was too dark to find. Instead, the brightly lit streets of the city looked much more inviting, so the intoxicated Tommy weaved his way through buildings, streetlights, signposts, parked cars, and presumably his equally drunk but gobsmacked drinking buddies neatly onto St. Nicholas Avenue, stopping at the intersection of 191st Street right in front of the bar where he had been drinking. St. Nicholas, I might point out, is the patron saint of thieves, so perhaps he had an extra hand on the controls. Of course, a plane landing in the middle of a street in Manhattan was bound to get noticed, and the cops were called. And surprise landings always make the headlines no less in 1956 than today. This drunken feat was covered in the New York Times, described as a fine landing, and reported that it had been widely called a feat of aeronautics. Sam Garcia, who as a child saw the plane resting on the street 
and said, if it happened today, they would call him a terrorist, lock him up and throw away the key. Indeed, Tommy was charged with grand larceny, but since the aircraft hadn't even been scratched, the owner refused to press charges. However, with remarkable forethought by New York's founding fathers, a city ordinance specifically prohibited the landing of planes on its streets. Tommy was fined $100 and had his pilot's license suspended for six months. The aircraft had its wings unbolted and was gently towed back to its home at Teterborough. That might have been the end of the story, but Fitzpatrick was nothing if not consistent. It was two years later when the boys in blue were again standing beside an aircraft, this time at the intersection of Amsterdam and 187th Street, in front of a Yeshiva University building. Tommy had indeed borrowed another aircraft, this time after a patron of the bar he was in refused to believe that he had done it the first time. He was seen leaving the aircraft wearing a grey suit, and the police, remembering the incident two years before, visited him to see if he had anything to do with this one. Not keen to admit it, Fitz ultimately confessed after it was revealed that witnesses had seen him exit the aircraft and run off. This time the authorities weren't as forgiving as they had been previously. The magistrate, Judge Reuben Levy, threw the book at him, saying, Had you been properly jolted then, it's possible this would not have occurred a second time. He accused Fitzpatrick of having come down like a marauder from the skies. The 28-year-old was sentenced to six months in prison for transporting stolen property. After the second flight, Fitzpatrick told the police that he had held a pilot's license but that it had been suspended after his first flight and he had never renewed it because I didn't want to fly again. He later succinctly summed up his decision-making paradigm in choosing to perform the feat again, stating, It's the lousy drink. I hope he wasn't referring to the cocktail invented in his honour. Tommy Fitzpatrick died in 2009 at the age of 79. He worked as a steam fitter with local number 638 of New York City for 51 years. After retirement, he became a member of the Township of Washington Golden Seniors, Our Lady of Good Counsel, and the China Marines Organization. Despite his escapades, he remained married for 51 years and had three sons. I suspect that the late-night flight might have been just a bit fancy for the tastes of Tommy Fitz, but perhaps I'm doing him an injustice. If made right, the cocktail should remind you, in a slightly poetic way, of the layers in the night sky over the amazing city of New York, topped with the fluffy white clouds through which Fitzpatrick piloted his way to fame and prison. To be on the safe side, the drink should be sipped and enjoyed far away from any enticing airfields. I, for one, 
we'll be making a special visit to the New Leaf Bar the very next time I am in Manhattan to see if they can still concoct the spirit of Tommy's reckless but remarkable flights. What an amazing story about that drink. Amazing. The uh, the fog lifter. Yeah. Wow. Or the um, the um, Tom Collins. What was it? Fitz, Fitzpatrick. Fitz, was the, the Fitzpatrick. Yeah, that was. The, no, that that's how you eat oysters. Oysters, Fitzpatrick, isn't it? <laughs> or is that Kilpatrick? I don't know. It was amazing. Amazing. I love it, isn't it? Uh, Liz seems to find these. I, I've, I've dug up a few myself, but uh, that was a cracker. Thank you, Liz. Yes, a fog cutter. Thank you, main man Micah. Straighten me out there. Not fog. Well, I've had a few of those. I had them. Uh, I had a few in Singapore. I went to Raffles to have a uh, Singapore, Singapore sling, sling. Gin sling. Yeah. But uh, they were renovating the long bar, and I couldn't get in there to, oh. you know, that was just the, oh, I thought, oh, well, nah. So I ended up on the rooftop bar in the Hilton, and uh, the guy said, uh, oh, I've got a much better drink. It's called a fog color. And oh. uh, uh, he said, if you can get through four, we'll give you a free one. <laughs> That's why it's fine. So, so I was the fog. <laughs> <laughs> I was the fog. Challenge accepted. I couldn't see any further than my hand. <laughs> I was actually. I was with. Was I with a marine? I was with. Oh boy. Uh, yeah, I might have been with a marine actually when I was doing that, which might explain it all. Yeah, that explains a lot. Actually, yeah. <laughs> the marines know how to. Put them down, that's for sure. Yeah. All right. Uh, excellent. Thanks again for the, that uh, fantastic plain tale, sir. And let's continue. Uh, oh, our accuracy rating apparently has just taken another ding. We were, you know, we were just finally emergency emerging above fifty percent. Turns out that Breaking we were records. Yeah, uh, really. For well, our record. Uh, Paul in San Diego says, I was listening to a previous but recent podcast and believe near the end, someone said United Airlines didn't fly Chicago O'Hare to Miami and American Airlines was the only carrier on in the market. That maybe have been the recent past, but it is incorrect. UA currently flies two to three flights per day, almost all with mainline equipment. Forgive me if I heard it wrong. I, I don't know who said that. I didn't say that. I would don't know enough about any of that to say that. I wonder who did. Maybe did Dana say something like that? Or maybe uh, maybe staff? I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty sure that Nick wouldn't have said, made that kind of claim. I wouldn't have had a clue. I know. <laughs> so me neither. Uh, so, Paul, um, yeah, if we did say that, uh, our apologies. We are now corrected. We all sit corrected here. And, um, of course, it might have been we just don't like United Airlines and we didn't want people to fly with them. I don't know. Was that, that it? might be it. But, you know, there's another, there's another podcast out there, Aviation Podcast, that constantly talks about United Airlines and how great they are. Oh, right. Opposite of that, actually. Uh, and well, we're so just maybe, trying to ease the balance. Maybe, maybe Paul was listening to that one and confused it with ours yeah. or something. I don't know. Nick, Nick, you will be happy to know that United has announced the date that they are retiring their 7-4. Oh, really? Okay, all right. Well, the, the skies will be safer. 
I'll be less likely to have an undercarriage through my roof or whatever yeah. it is they hey, Steve, drop off themselves. Don't feed the animals. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, let's see here. Miles. Hey, we love conspiracy theories here at the uh, APG. Uh, Miles writes in, okay, I know this is trashy, but a cheap thrill for me are conspiracy theories. If well concocted, as with chemtrails, Roswell, and of course, 911. Ooh, I have chemtrails. Possibly I know something I about that. I have something on that today. Roswell. I live in Roswell. Yeah. But I think he's talking about Different. New Mexico. Yeah. And of course, 911. I was uh, alive yeah. um, for 9-11. I shouldn't say 911. 9-11. On the podcast, The Conspiracy Show, quite naturally, 9-11 conspiracies are brought back up. And one in particular, uh, or no, one I particularly point out was fascinating. Can the FAA or any outside source actually take control of an airliner as part of the conspiracy story? I will spare you about the conspiracy debates with bringing down buildings, which are fascinatingly well conceived. Okay. Well, I'd say miles, you need to get a hobby. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, like we have. Yes. Podcasting. You need, <laughs> you need to start a podcast. That'll keep you out of trouble for the most part. Um, so, uh, you know, and, and, and I, I sent, uh, I didn't think we were allowed to talk about this, Jeff. Oh, okay. Let's move on then. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> we, we, we call it Microsoft flight sim, but we know what it really does. <laughs> Those are real airplanes that we're controlling. Yeah. Yeah. They are. Now, didn't you, you did know that, didn't you? I, no. Didn't know that. Hey, okay. th this is an interesting thing. And I sent, um, I sent Rick um, um, a, a message. Uh, I, I don't think he ever got back to me. Let me check. <laughs> Come over here and see if... Yeah, never mind. I'm not going to do that because I mean, it might... If you find that special um, function switch, the function uh, selection in the uh, setup of Fight Sim... Well, so Here's you can, the deal. You can turn it on to a real airplane. I don't know if you I know that. I don't know if I ever if I ever mentioned this on the show because um, Rick was going to find out more information about it. But he was in training at a certain airline, um, and well, maybe I shouldn't say anything. <laughs> that special airline, the one that we don't like to talk about either. Um, no, it was an airline at which he flew. Oh, okay. And uh, in the training materials, there was like um, an illustration, um, part of the training program. And, the, and there was some reference to a, 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 a capability of that airplane that he was flying at the time for, the, for ground control to actually take control of flying the airplane. And I said, huh? And he goes, yeah. And he, he showed it to me, and I went, that can't, what? And he goes, I'm going to try to see if I can find out more information about that. And uh, never never heard, maybe he found out more information about it. And that, can't uh, well, that, that's, that's when, I think that's when they took him out, and they put that That's why we bloke. haven't heard from him. Exactly. That's why they put that <sighs> other bloke that looks like him, uh -huh. and he wouldn't come on the show, because we'd, of course, have recognized that it wasn't the real Miami Rick. Do you think that so, it's that he is that they've done such a good job of replacing him with this fraud uh, that 
not even Steph could tell when she visited him last week. She was right there. Yeah. Ooh, she maybe she's it. part of it. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. I mean, perhaps Steph is. But, Wait okay. a minute. What is this She's going to Berlin to? to run a marathon. And then she's going to Japan. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, they build a lot of robots in Japan. Perhaps she needs her battery replacing after the marathon. Because, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll lose a lot of your battery after yeah. you run a marathon. She's using up yeah. a lot right there. Yeah, and they yeah, make I a lot of robots in Japan. And after running that much, you yeah, move yeah. pretty robotic. Yeah, yes, I do. do. <laughs> Very <laughs> stiff. So, you know what? I think uh, in order to prevent us from exposing ourselves, and you certainly don't want us to expose Wait, ourselves. are you? <laughs> no, I'm just going to, this, you know what? Okay, I'm sorry. No, the I'm, way you set this up is not right. I'm going to sure. go ahead and stop because I, I just don't want to get in trouble. Okay. So, yeah. so you didn't hear any of this. All right. All right. Let's no, move on. Nothing. We know nothing. There's not a police car outside my house either. <laughs> well, there will be soon. All right. We have some audio feedback from our good friend, George. George, what do you have to say? Hi, this is George Nolly from the Ready for Takeoff podcast. Uh, two things I wanted to comment on from your previous podcasts. One had to do with alcohol testing. Uh, when I uh, retired from United, uh, a while later, I went over and flew out of India for three years. And at this airline I flew with in India, they would alcohol test us uh, before every flight. There was a medical doctor who would have us breathe into a breathalyzer and then he would sign an official form and we would sign it uh, to verify that we had no alcohol in our system. The funny thing is, a lot of the Indian pilots are very wealthy and uh, it doesn't hurt them very much if they get the mandatory three months off without pay if they are over the alcohol limit. So around holiday time, some of them would show up with a few drinks under their belt, hoping to get taken off the flight. And knowing this, the airline uh, stopped having the, the doctors show up at operations before the flights around holiday season. So the pilots would not be breathalyzed and they would fly having had a couple drinks. Uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about was uh, the announcements for New Year's. In 1999, I was a new pilot on the 777, new captain. And, of course, being junior, I was uh, assigned a, a New Year's Eve flight from Newark to London. And I computed when we would be at our local midnight, which was halfway across the Atlantic. And we only had space-available employees as our passengers, all 13 of them. So I thought I'd try something a little clever. And uh, when it was midnight, I made the following announcement. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the captain. We're uh, approaching midnight. And I know many of you are concerned about uh, electronic problems with Y2K. And I just want to assure you that in 15 seconds, when it becomes a new century, that there is absolutely and then I stopped talking. <laughs> now, what I really wanted to do was pull some circuit breakers to turn lights off, but I thought that would be a little extreme. <laughs> anyway, this is George Nolly from the Ready for Takeoff podcast. That would have even been better. Yeah. Like pulling out some of the, some of the uh, turning off some of the lights. <laughs> That's George. Nice I, th I thought he was going to say the classic, uh, there is uh, nothing wrong with the aircraft or nothing could possibly go wrong. Go wrong. Go, go wrong. wrong. Go wrong. <laughs> 
I lo- did. I can't believe what he just told us about the Indian airlines. <sighs> and yeah, uh, as Liz says in the chat room, note to self, do not fly in India around the holidays. Yeah. <laughs> Enjoy your flight, folks. Yeah, quite. Well, you know, what a what a different world. I mean, in in our world here in the states and I'm sure in the UK, if you if you yeah, you don't get 3 months <laughs> off. You get you get the rest of your career off is what you uh, get. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Wow. That's uh Now, that's it's funny cool. when I was in the Australian Air Force, they had a little um, breathalyzer and it was kept in a quiet back room. And uh, they regularly used to have the big dinners that you do in the military uh, on a Thursday night uh, because the uh, theory being you didn't want to suffer from a a hangover um, on the weekend because that was your time. So if you're going to have a hangover, have it midweek so that that was kind of work time. Okay. That was the logic. So uh, on a Friday morning, and I was the guy, I was the programmer who used to have to write up the program and allocate flights to names or names to flights, etc. I'd fill out the China Craft board and put everyone's names up. And uh, the way it worked was if you came in after a dining in night and you were feeling a little worse for wear, you used to sneak into this back room and have a go at the breathalyzer and if you didn't like the look at the result you just come off pick up a cloth and wipe your name off the board (laughs) (laughs) and that was it (laughs) which i thought actually was not a bad way of doing it because no one no one ever said no but for me the program it was a damn nightmare because i was always scrabbling around for pilots on a friday morning i put them up there but uh, what happened to? yeah that's right oh my god i'm six pilots short (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> How did that happen? Exactly. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. Um, you know what? I, I need to do, and, and I have to, you know, I, I mentioned on the last show, uh, I had a little bit of a tech snafu. It was my fault. Um, I no, We were really getting some spam email. Yeah, yeah, believe it or not. Uh-huh. And uh, I, uh, I, I did some things to uh, keep the uh, spam email from filling up the uh, inboxes of not only my uh, email, but also... Uh, Captain Nick's and Dr. Steph's. And uh, so they were happy with me regarding that. Um, but apparently I didn't go back after the fact and like return on everything that so that everything would work properly. And so there was a, a certain amount of email that um, you were all sending us and I didn't realize it was there because it wasn't showing up in the places that I normally see it. So uh, one of the... Uh, Folks that send in feedback. And by the way, several of the things that we've been doing today are from that group of emails that we're hiding. And uh, we found them. Uh, Here's one that um, our good old friend Nev uh, sent in. Uh, There was a a meetup that he had last week at the Udvarhazi Center. And uh, let me let you listen to uh, some audio that he recorded. Hello, it's Nev here. And we are at the Udvarhazi Museum just outside of DC, and uh, I'm with uh, Rebecca and First Officer Craig. Um, we're just about to have a, another walk around the museum, just had some lunch, uh, another low calorie um, offering in the Mook Cafe. And um, yeah, the weather's not brilliant, but uh, that doesn't matter because we're inside, but uh, it's a fantastic collection of aviation and space stuff here. So Rebecca, you've driven all this way. What do you think of it? I love this place. It's one of my happy places. Airports and anything with planes in it. You're the one that came the furthest, though. Is this your first time here, Nev? I 
came to DC in 1994. Uh, it was my last time uh, in Washington. I've never been to the museum before, though. Um, so, uh, but it's it's unbelievable. I mean, you, you don't want to leave, do you? It's absolutely incredible. Definitely not. I'm going to be getting kicked out at 5:30, I think. And uh, Craig, thanks for coming as well. Really oh, no problem. That. It was a pleasure sharing a great uh, American tradition lunch with you at McDonald's here and uh, eating all those calories. Has uh, it's been a while since I've had McDonald's, so we'll see how I feel later, but. Uh, this is my third time to the Uber Hazy Museum, and after a long three-hour trek and rush hour traffic this morning, I finally made it. But uh, glad to be here, and uh, good company, and just fun to look around at airplanes. It's always a fun day when aviation evolves. It is good, isn't it? And mm -hmm. uh, the, the way they've presented everything here is, is, is really good. Mm -hmm. um, now, we were talking earlier on, and you've got a, a, I think you've got a bit of a confession to make here, because we were talking about podcasts weren't we and the speed of which one might listen to them at and I think it's generally accepted that, that 1.5 times mm -hmm. normal speed is acceptable yes but um, do you want to say anything about that at all uh, to get through the madness that is APG <laughs> uh, I uh, usually play my podcast at 2.7 almost up to 3.0 speed to get through it all uh, but that goes the same as all the other podcasts PTUK and all my non-aviation podcasts I listen to so uh, it just helps me get through them all since I got a long list I listen to. I think that's a, a, a fair enough comment um, mm -hmm. but I'm just glad we're not asking you questions at the end of the pod, of each podcast. Yes. Uh, that's all. But, uh, so you've been here before Rebecca. Um, when did you last come to the museum? I can't remember, but I think I had, I think my oldest child was probably in his teens and I had a baby on my hip. She's 17, so it's been a while. I think I'm going to see some new things today, coming straight to the McCafe without, I just put my blinders on, I didn't, I didn't look out at the museum at all, because I knew I was coming here. So I can't wait to see what I'm going to see, it will be different. They're always doing new things here as well, aren't they? Uh, from what I've seen and what I've read about the, the museum, and Mike was telling me a while ago about the, some of the new displays they've got, and uh, it's very well presented, isn't it? It's such a huge hangar, huge facility. Absolutely, yes. And I don't know, maybe the clouds will part and we can see the observation deck, which is also quite impressive. But right now, I don't think we're gonna see very much. Uh, earlier, uh, when Nev and I were here before you joined up, uh, took a look at the weather and the forecast for around here. It looks as though the weather might clear up around 2 o'clock or so, so maybe you two will be able to take a look when I have to leave. So hopefully that will work for you guys. That'll be good. Looking forward to that. Well, guys, great to meet you, and uh, thanks very much for, for coming. Thanks. Thank you for coming from so far, and you too. Yeah. Thank you, Nev. <laughs> Thank you very much, Nev, for uh, taking the time to uh, record that. And Rebecca and uh, First Officer Craig, uh, sounds like they all had a great time. That's an amazing Yeah, I'm envious. I'd love to go to that museum. Uh, I've only ever been to the uh, Smithsonian in the middle of town because uh, that's the only one I can easily get to on my 48-hour layover. Getting back out to the uh, airport again is quite a hassle for me. So uh, I still haven't been there. Uh, you need to, if you ever have a chance of your laying over somewhere near Dulles, itself uh yeah should take the time to do it. it's really cool oh sure <laughs> all right uh let's see let's continue on we have another uh another we have some other we have some more audio feedback this from 
Jan the Man. Hey, good evening, guys. Hey, it's Jan the Man here from Napa, California. Um, out here just to say a quick howdy. And uh, got a couple of friends that stopped by to visit the airport here uh, who want to say a few quick words. Um, really enjoying the show, guys. So thanks very much. And without further ado, here's uh, someone you already know. Hey, this is Landon. How are you guys doing? Nick, Steph, Jeff, Dana, Miami Rick, wherever you are, man. Hey, we're out here at uh, Napa County Airport. I uh, flew in uh, for the afternoon to uh, hang out with Jan the Man and uh, see his office. His office is horrible. You should never, never want to aspire to it. Um, you know, he all he does is he flies around at 3,500 feet all around the San Francisco Bay and has like a really awesome view. You would hate it. Just, just kidding. It's awesome. He has a, the best job in the whole wide world. I probably would have kept my gun and badge and continued on doing it if I had a unit, if I was blessed like him. Um, but neither here nor there. But it's good to uh, be out here hanging out with Jan. I uh, brought a good friend of mine uh, who's also a, a big-time av aviation geek. Uh, go ahead, Nick. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Nick. I'm here with my friend Landon, and just got had the pleasure of meeting Jan today. It's a great experience and feeling like a kid in a candy store. Uh, you know, up here aspiring for to uh, well, aspiring to get towards some lifelong dreams here, becoming a pilot myself. So this is an awesome opportunity. Uh, sunset to the San Francisco Bay Area up here in Napa. It's really awesome. It's going to be a nice little flight this evening, and looking forward to it. All right, I'll try and take some pictures. And uh, Nick does something actually really, really cool. Uh, contrary to this podcast, I drive trains. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, we got trains, planes, and automobiles here. Yes. It's all good. Everything's represented. But, uh, hey, thanks, guys. Um, this is uh, Jan the Man, Landon, and Nick all signing out. And Landon and Nick are about to go up in a, uh, in a piper right now for a little uh, evening stroll before, uh, before Landon heads back to... Uh, head back to uh, San Jose Reed Hillview Airport for all the uh, South Bay pilots. Reed Hillview. Jeff Moeller, uh, hope you're doing well. Uh, you hang in there, buddy. Um, and Anissa, uh, stay strong. All you guys down there in the uh, South Bay. All right. All right. We'll they, keep the blue side up. That's right. Jan the Man from Napa signing off. Take care, Nick. All right. Thank you, guys. Have a good evening. All right. Jeff, Nick, Steph, Dana, we'll see you guys later. Jan the Man signing off from Napa. Have a good one. See ya. Hey, thanks, guys. Um, yeah, I'm uh, Jeff Muller. Uh, sounds like, uh, is he okay? I didn't. I don't know what's going on there. Um, and Anissa, Jeff, if you're sick, um, our, all of uh, the thoughts and prayers uh, coming from the APG community are, are headed your way. So uh, I hope to hear about what's going on there. Um, but uh, Jan and Landon and uh, now a new APG or Nick, um, train operator. Uh, very cool. Sounds like they had a great time, and, and it sounds like they were pretty close to uh, Hurricane Irma. Yeah, it was it was blowing there. It was amazing. The winds were incredible. <laughs> uh, you can tell they were near an airport because yeah. every, when you get near an airport, the, especially in Northern California, when it's very windy, that's for sure. Speaking of windy, Captain Nick, do you have anything to say? No, <laughs> I don't, sir. From either end. Bam, yeah. All right, from either end. Thank you, thank thank you very much for that. Uh, moving on, let's Steph? see. Yeah. Oh well, oh. this is this is one that I'd I'd hope that Steph would be here yeah. for, and I guess I could keep it, but I'm not going to. We're going to go ahead and do it. Uh, this was sent in from Anthony. He said, uh, "Cap Jeff, in case you didn't see this one, thought you might be interested in this article 
Miss America contestant flies herself to completion. No, com- competition. <laughs> That's something entirely different. <laughs> uh, Miss America contestant made quite the entrance after flying herself to an airport just outside the Atlantic City. Uh, outside of Atlantic, not the Atlantic City. Uh, yeah, there's more. Uh, no, there's just one, I think, um, on Saturday for the competition. And so he sent a link to the article, and uh, looks like Miss Vermont Erin Connor is a licensed pilot who flew herself from Burlington, Vermont, to New Jersey in about two and a half hours carrying two passengers. And she said, I'd like to make an entrance anywhere I go, she said. 22 years old, uh, won her state's uh, title in April, recently comp- completed her 70th public appearance wearing the state crowned crown. Uh, so anyway, so Dr. Steph is not the only beauty pageant winner and also uh, pilot, apparently. Aaron Connor, Miss Vermont, is as well. Pretty amazing. Okay, uh, continuing on. Uh, Ray, our good friend Ray, from uh, My Neighbor to the North in Alpharetta. He said, Something really cool and totally unexpected happened three days ago. Margot and I have been in Austria for a couple of weeks, and on Monday, we went across the border to Lindau Island on the German side of the lake to have a cup of coffee and a Bavarian pastry. The weather was kind of poxy, a high drab cloud layer as though a petulant Zeus was unwilling to share the sunlight. In a harbor cafe, we had a coffee and a slice of Bavarian cake, then later went back to the car, uh, back to the car park to get our car. Margot, unimpressed by my taking yet more photographs of trains in the station, had walked on ahead while I went to the parking machine to pay my ticket. Ticket in the machine, $2.40 euro. Ten, what's the C? Ten cents? Ten, what's a... Cents, yeah. Cents, okay. Ten cents. Ten cents. Ten cents. Ten cents. Two euro. Clunk. Ticket validated. I pulled the little card from its slot, and as I did so, my ears picked up the heavenly harmony. I knew the melody. I'd heard it so often, so many years ago, in much more tranquil times. The powerful blending of four Pratt & Whitney double wasps. Blow, Gabriel, blow. Go on and blow, Gabriel, blow. I was a sinner. I was a scamp. But now I'm willing to trim my lamp. So blow, Gabriel, blow. I think that was from, uh, what's the name of the uh, musical? Cole Porter, um, uh, shoot. Can't remember the name of the, uh, of the uh, musical now. I found, I'm sure somebody, no, no, um, not, not that famous Cole Porter. Um, anything goes, anything goes is the name of it. Um, and anyway, continue on with, uh, Ray's feedback. He says, I looked up scanning the leaden gray and then I saw it. Flying roughly, I estimated, northwards was a DC-6. I was totally amped and yelled at the people who had queued up behind me to pay their tickets. DC-6! DC-6! Then trying harder. Day say sex! <laughs> I guess he was trying to say it in German. <laughs> I probably screwed that one up. Anyway, uh, they looked up briefly to where I gestured and then back at the parking machine. Their tickets, their change, as they chattered unintelligently amongst themselves. Philistines, I thought. Philistines. I whipped my camera up, zooming it to its limit. I had only the 105 millimeter on. The 300 millimeter was far away in the car, and twisting the manual focus ring to sharpen the small, irregular dot silhouetted against the gray sky. 
He has a picture here that we'll include in the show notes as well. Uh, I got one quick shot as it flew on high up, just as proud as she and her sisters had been in the 1950s when they ruled the skies. That was it. That was it. That was the beauty of it all. The stately grace as she made her way across the sky. The genteel certainty of her line, her breeding, that allowed her not to acknowledge the the uh, the Lee's majesty. Not sure of that. Um, I recognize that word, actually. Um, the Lee's majesty of the turban-driven rabble that had dethroned her. I was low, Gabriel low, mighty low, Gabriel low. But now, since I've seen the light, I'm good by day and I'm good by night. So blow, Gabriel, blow. I suspect it was the Red Bull's DC-6B Oscar Echo-Lima Delta mic. That aircraft was doing displays in Portugal the day before and thus could have been on her way back to Salzburg. To see a four-prop plane again was so really neat. I saw such scenes daily as a kid and now here it was again. Heck, I've stood in the cockpit of Clipper John Alden for hours as it flew northwards from Joburg to Leopoldville. Leopoldville. I watched the flight engineer finally touch the throttles to bring the engines into sync as he watched the four small round oscilloscopes that he called the Chinese TVs. I've sat in my seats and felt the airplane shudder as it held short of the runway and each uh, engine in turn was run up to full power. Once lined up for takeoff, I'd watch the engine cowl gills intently. The Pan Am pilots would close them immediately before the takeoff run began. Descent for landing seems to have been done in steps. Every now and then the plane would level off, but to us sitting in the cabin, the associated increase in G's made it feel as though we were climbing. Before the descent, the air hostess would hand out little round rolls of three Lifesaver candies to chew on to help even the pressure in the ears. Now, in the parking lot in Lindau, the the sounds reverberated in my chest as I watched the six fly into the distance. And now I'm all ready to fly. Yes, to fly higher and higher and higher. Because I've gone through brimstone and I've been through the fire. And I purged my soul and my heart too. So climb up the mountaintop. Later, folks. Stay well. Ray Williams from Alpharetta, Georgia. And he always puts a little postscript when he uh, writes in, quote, When I was a kid, I used to... Oh, wait. I still do that. <laughs> like us... When we were kids, we used to look up into the sky when we heard something flying by. I used to do that when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. We still do that, don't we? Yeah, I can't do a walk around and see an airplane take off without stopping and watching it. I know. And we do this for a living. <laughs> we still do it. <laughs> That's why you keep forgetting the gas locks. Uh, least Majesty. Least, least Majesty, Majesty is uh, the treasonous insulting of a monarch or other ruler. But oh. in this case, it means presumptuous or disrespectful behavior. Ah, okay, great. Well, thank you. Um, and I was only joking about the gas locks. I don't think uh, your your regionals have gas locks here, do they? Your no. CRJ? No, no, didn't think so. Gulf streams, though, do. And uh, yeah. that's gotten some folks into trouble in the past. Oh, yeah. What was the percentage of those pilots who didn't bother doing control checks before takeoff? Somewhere very, very high. <laughs> Ex- what? Extraordinarily high. These uh, executive jet pilots, you get, what uh, the hell? Yeah, I know. Wow. Okay. Well, anyway, um, 
Ray, wow, thank you. So poetic. I, I probably didn't do justice to uh, your prose, and uh, um, I hope I, that I identified the uh, the uh, the lyrics from the um, proper um, uh, musical or play. Um, very cool. And uh, we uh, we were there with you when you saw that DC six. I, I thought the the funniest part about this is when he just turned away and he was yelling DC six to the people in there. And I could just see the faces like, what, yeah. what is this? Yeah. Is he a lunatic? The, the one question he didn't ask was, you know, when you, when you validate your car, your ticket in a car park like that, if you wait too long, uh, you've got to go and do it again because it only likes gives you five or ten minutes to get out of the car park. Oh man! So I just wanted to know if he if when he tried to Did leave, he make it out? They, they let him out or not? <laughs> we'll have to ask him. Uh, wow! But I'm sure it was worth it. Yeah. Oh man. Okay. Uh, let me look here and see how long we've been recording. Uh, Two sixteen. We can probably tackle a few more are you, are you up to it steve i'm good you know, i didn't even ask if you wanted to do this for three hours straight but uh <laughs> I, I know the show yeah that's true you, you knew what you were getting into yeah. didn't you okay it's uh, even longer than the uh, what you're used to listening to on the audio <laughs> podcast i try to condense that a little bit yeah, and i was here an hour and a quarter beforehand waiting for you guys guys to get your puppet uh, yeah, yeah, so. yeah, he's yeah. gonna puppet show or something keep him entertained <laughs> <laughs> okay terribly sorry Sir Nick, <laughs> terribly sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Um, this is an interesting one. Um, this is the one from Ian. Uh, EasyJet air filtration. He says, uh, this is Ian Griffin. Hey, ABG crew, found this link about EasyJet recognizing that aerotoxic syndrome does exist and they want to do something about it. I know we've talked about it on the show before, but this is the first time an airline is recognizing it and doing something about it. And this particular story was from the Australian.com.au. And um, I added that little comment right there. Uh, the headline is airline admits toxic illness. And that is, they don't, in fact, specifically in this article, they insist that they are not taking a position on aerotoxic syndrome, which remains an area of scientific uncertainty. So whoever wrote the headline for this obviously has some sort of agenda or wants to make it uh, extremely provocative, apparently. But uh, EasyJet to uh, filter cabin air over links to aerotoxic syndrome, according to the headline. EasyJet is to fit filters to stop toxic fumes entering the passenger cabins and cockpits in a move seen as the industry's first acknowledgement of aerotoxic syndrome. So maybe some people are seeing this that way. The condition, long denied by airlines, is feared to be responsible for several deaths of pilots and crew and hundreds of incidents where pilots have fallen ill, sometimes at the controls. Frequent flyers and young children could also be affected, it is claimed. EasyJet told the Sunday Times that health concerns had led it to work with a commercial supplier, Paul Aerospace, to develop and design a new cabin air filtration system for testing on the company's aircraft next year. It can also be revealed that the British National Health Service has set up a care pathway for victims of aircraft fume events, including referral to a specialist clinic at St. Thomas Hospital in London. A note explaining the move, published by the Civil Aviation Authority, stated, There is strong evidence that some people experience acute symptoms as a consequence of fume events. Tristan Lorraine, a former British Airways captain who claims toxic cabin air forced him from his job, said, 
This is the first public acknowledgement by an airline of a problem which this industry, including my own airline, has spent decades denying. I congratulate EasyJet for of having or for having the vision and courage which no other airline had. His group, the Global Cabin Air Quality Executive, will hold a conference in London this week where David Stein, Paul's Vice President for Aerospace Research and Development, will describe the trial. Alex Flynn, head of campaigns at the Unite Union, which represents cabin crews, said the EasyJet move was highly significant and welcome. He said Unite was involved in about 100 UK civil court actions for death and injury allegedly caused by cabin air as far higher number th- um, as a far higher number than previously reported. A handful of cases had already been settled by airlines, although met, uh, without any admission of liability. So it goes on here in the article to talk explain what this is all about. Uh, during high altitude flight, the atmosphere is too thin to breathe, so compressed air or bleed air is drawn from the pl- from the plane's engines and directed into the passenger cabin and cockpit. It's cooled but not filtered. Faults in engine seals can contaminate it with engine oil, hydraulic fluids, and lubricants. Some air is then recirculated through a filter, but a typical aircraft cabin consists of half recirculated filtered air and half unfiltered bleed air. The new total filtration system being tested by EasyJet will, for the first time, filter the bleed air as well. It also includes a contamination detector. Uh, Let's see, at least 292 incidents of fumes or smoke in British aircraft were recorded between June 2014 and May 2015. Illness was reported in 96 of those. Last October, a crew on a BA Airbus A380 from San Francisco to London were left spaced out and vomiting after what the captain described as toxic fumes leaked into the cabin. The jet diverted to Vancouver, where the crew was taken to hospital. Uh, so it goes on to talk about some other um, instances of the claim that uh, cabin air uh, was contaminated and caused um, people's uh, deaths. So what do you think about this, Captain Nick? Well, we've talked about it before, and yep. uh, we have both come to the conclusion that um, we've never... Um, no one close to me, no one I've ever spoken to, despite all the thousands of hours we've flown, has ever I've ever met who uh, has suffered any, any symptoms, which uh, certainly long-term symptoms, which could be put down to it. So I've remained healthy. Everyone I know has remained healthy. I think the um, number of circumstances uh, are extremely uh, low uh, of people who may have uh, suffered from it, and the forming a direct link between one uh, particular um, toxic uh, substance compared with all those that we're subjected to in all our life. And considering that even on a long-haul flight, we're only airborne for 10 hours compared with uh, the dozens, hundreds of hours that we spend on the ground. So uh, and all that time on the ground, of course, we're subject to other toxic influences, whether it be pollution in the street and the air, you know, stuff in our houses. So pinning it down just to uh, aircraft, um, air conditioning systems and oil leaks uh, in the engine uh, is a bit of a stretch. But uh, if there is a way to uh, easily uh, take this concern away, then I'm all for it. Yeah, yeah, me too. I mean, you know, what could the harm be of, you know, uh, filtering, filtering, 
the bleed air coming into the airplane. I mean, I'm all for that. Yeah. Why not? Absolutely. I mean, already it's uh, it's filled in. Don't uh, uh, make your aircraft in the Airbus. We've got a big tank um, below the fuselage. Uh, not below the fuselage. It'd be hanging out, wouldn't it? <laughs> um, below the An cabin floor in the sort of cargo area. Mm-hmm. And uh, we recirculate about 70% of our air. So 70% of the air is taken into this tank. And when it leaves, it goes through filters. Uh, and um, they're, they're pretty damned efficient. Uh, so we would only get 30% of uh, unfiltered air in. Um, so uh, all they've got to do is direct all the air into that tank and then take it out of there through the filters and recirculate it. And uh, Bob's your uncle. It just needs some probably clever uh, plumbing, I suspect. Yeah. Still doesn't help you for whoever you're flying with, Captain Al. <laughs> Doom, bam! I'm not sure that uh, those filters uh, take care of. Um, those are some serious filters. Yeah. Maybe super super high performance HEPA f- filters might <laughs> might have some chance against that. No, I find that a convenient test of the o- aircraft oxygen system is usually required. Oh, that works at like those that. times. Yes. Yeah, yeah, you do need to check that occasionally. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thank you, Ian, for uh, sending us that uh, link to uh, the EasyJet air filtration story. And uh, we'll keep I wonder our... whether it's an Airbus or a Boeing. Airbus. Airbus, is that Because the, you I? know that that's all they fly. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> they're, they're a smart airline. How about that? All right. Well, I never. The, the, the Airbus is the only ones that need it, I guess. Well, no, I think not. Having said that, I mean, Boeing obviously consider it a big problem, which is why the the bin liner has got an electric can, uh, pressurization pump. Yeah. doesn't bleed air. Although I don't, I don't know if that was their sole reasoning for doing oh, that. Oh, I think you're right. Or to do no, with I, the I efficiency of the engine, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I agree that I think that's probably the major part, but it has yeah. this nice side effect. No, that's true. Being able to say that, oh, we don't, we don't take bleed air from the engine, so there's yeah. no chance of toxicity. And it allows them to uh, put in uh, air that is, uh, doesn't have so much uh, humidity in it and, uh, yeah. Or no, wait, I take that adds, back. It's adds the opposite. Humidity. adds humidity because the airplane is made of plastic. <laughs> so uh, there's nothing to worry about as far as, uh, you know, whatever. The- but then again, I was just reading the other day about, uh, you know, the problem with having a humid cabin is that, uh, of course, all the breath and all the humidity you add to the air to make you feel comfortable freezes on the inside of the fuselage um, because the, the actual skin, of course, is at minus... 60 odd degree centigrade or whatever so that moisture freezes and when you descend and the skin warms up uh, all that human moisture um, melts and dribbles down into the insulation and then starts to um, you know make fungus and other nasty stuff in there that could probably be toxic as well oh see i thought you were going somewhere else i thought it was going to be like a nice little rain kind of the oh like i get that inside the cabin I used to love watching the old 747 boys and we'd top a descent and there'd be, get all these 
towels that they not passengers normally wipe their faces with, you know, at the end of the flight to freshen up. And they'd be stuffed in the middle of all these corners in the cockpit. <laughs> what are you guys doing? And they say, oh, you'll see in a minute, it's going to start to rain. Yeah. And uh, lo and behold, as they descended, all this water started dribbling out of the ceiling onto them, you know, and they're trying to mm -hmm. fill out their paperwork and stuff, and it's splattering <laughs> on it. So. We've got that problem in the CRJ because right overhead, we've got that escape hatch. And uh, there's a good seal on there. And uh, But if it isn't seated, <laughs> well, we'll get <laughs> Not that kind of seal. a seal but... hanging right oh, okay. over top of us there. <laughs> And uh, if that's not if that's not sealed very well, you'll get moisture coming in there, and it's really bad in de-icing season. If they shoot that de-icing oh, no. fluid, get, oh. yeah. <laughs> so you're sitting horrible. there, and all of a sudden you've got this the corner right over your shoulder. You're just getting the drip of de-icing <laughs> fluid right on. <sighs> well, at least you never go, get a frozen Canadians in that design. <laughs> exactly. At least you'll never get a frozen shoulder. Yeah. There you go. There you go. All right. Well, again, thank you, Ian, for that. Uh, let's see. Bill uh, said a mechanical modification to the 727s and DC-9s to prevent the air stairs from being deployed in flight is what they call the DB Cooper vein or the Cooper vein. Uh, he sent a link to the Wikipedia article regarding that. And he said, I don't know if the Mad Dogs still have it. Um, and I can tell you that they do not, at least the ones that we fly, uh, the MD... 88 and MD-90 series that we fly do not have the vane that automatically due to um, wind stream or airstream pressure, you know, moves over to block or keep the uh, air stairs from lowering, um, hmm. you know, inadvertently or whatever, or on purpose by a person who has a parachute and lots of money and wants to jump out and disappear forever. I was going to say, I'd never be found again. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not sure that really worked out for him. Uh, but uh, what they did was, and we talked about it on the last episode, they actually just removed, there used to be a panel in the back where uh, you could operate the, uh, or drop the air stairs from the inside in the cabin. And they, they moved or they removed that or blocked it off or something. Uh, but there is, as we talked about also, there is a way to um, actually lower the air stairs from the inside uh, if necessary. And it's just something that they teach us how to do, but we're not really supposed to, you know, we're not, so that's not a normal operation, but it, it can be done. Um, but uh, I think the, the 727s definitely had it after this incident. And uh, the, the early DC-9s did as well, I believe. But, um, you know, not, not uh, that I'm aware of. I've never seen... A, uh, a Cooper vane on a uh, Mad Dog that I've flown. Um, here's an interesting one as well. Ahmad, uh, he's he's been uh, away from the community. He said uh, it's been a long time uh, since I did my feedback or any feedback on the show. Uh, that's no thanks to the major distraction that Nigeria's recession posed. It's been one heck of a spell. The recession left me with absolutely no spare time to do any APG chores apart from the occasional tweet check. The good news is Nigeria has recorded the onset of recovery from the recession, and I hope Nigerians have learned the appropriate lessons from it. I have a weird question this time, which is, can the sonic boom slash shockwaves from one or more aircraft flying side by side anywhere between 10,000 and 20,000 feet above the top of a hurricane have any disruptive effect on the hurricane? Like I said, it's a weird question. I get weird stuff like that running through my mind every now and then. 
It came up as I thought of all the people who had a tough time with extreme weather this year all over the world. Could this be a way of dealing with storms by using sonic booms to weaken them? That's my question. I look forward to resuming with the show and catching up with the rest of you. From my way, way behind stopover at episode 184, can you believe how far behind I am? <laughs> yeah, that's more than 100 uh, episodes. Good luck, Akhman. I would just, you know what, <laughs> say, you know what? I'm just going to say I listen to them and just start listening to the latest. <laughs> that's the way I would treat that. Um, anyway, Kavu to everyone. Ahmed out. And uh, so I don't know. Uh, what do you, I don't, you know, I'm not a scientist. Uh, I never had a sonic boom. I, well, I, I guess one time I've been supersonic and created a sonic boom, I guess, but I'm not sure. Nick, um, you know, you have a lot more, uh, experience creating sonic booms and we're not talking about the kind that captain <laughs> Al creates. Um, <laughs> but, uh, what, what do you, th- I don't, my sense is that nature, the force and power and fury of nature is so far beyond anything that we could possibly do short of perhaps a detonation of a nuclear uh, bomb. Uh, I don't, I don't know how, uh, I don't think a sonic boom or any of that would have any effect whatsoever. The, the hurricane might just go, hmm, yeah, what, what was that? Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I mean, um, a sonic boom is not as powerful or as strong an effect as people might think. I mean, uh, the, all the energy is contained within a, a, a fraction of an inch. Uh, and in that fraction of an inch, there is an enormous pressure change and an enormous temperature change. Um, but uh, it, it is at, it, relatively uh, a large change in a tiny area, but that is actually overall quite a, a small effect. Um, you, you can be very close to an aircraft that drops a boom, and apart from the noise, uh, you won't feel a thing you the boom will go over you uh and it will be like nothing happened it's it's an almost instantaneous alteration and recovery that is very quick so you can form eight on an aircraft you can have i've i've passed aircraft within any few feet of myself when we've both been supersonic in opposite directions or even in the same direction and uh you know you you wouldn't even know there was a disturbance there so um i'm comparing that with this uh huge volume of air that is uh, circulating and has an enormous pressure drop in it but it's spread over a vast area it is a huge and powerful force i don't think a sonic boom even a lot of them is going to have anything at it anyway the whole uh, concept of a of a tropical revolving storm is it's pressure driven it's rotating because of the circulation so the spin of the earth it's cori the coriolis force that's forcing it to rotate uh and it's got this vast amount of energy that it's picked up from the warm water that is speeding it up uh, and i don't i do not see how a sonic boom would even have the smallest effect on it really honestly absolutely nothing i'm afraid but nice idea but i wish it was uh, would be something you know yeah that we could look at but i wouldn't have we like so. where your mind is where is my mind i haven't a clue <laughs> i left it I'm I don't know where mine is. I've lost it. I was referring to Ahmed. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, right. Okay. <laughs> I thought you were talking about Captain Nick. <laughs> no. 
No, we we know we didn't, we're never going to find that. You know what, <laughs> no. Ahmed? I don't know if you remember. We um, he he has sent us feedback, and I've published uh, in within the show notes of uh, episodes long ago. Uh, he he has got an amazing mind. He uh, just a very very creative, very. Um, rich with all kinds of just think outside the box kind of uh, concepts and everything else. He's designed a, an airplane and uh, anyways, it's just amazing. And so I could easily see how Ahmed has, was thinking, Hmm, wonder if there's something we could do to, you know, to counteract the, uh, uh, the terrible force of nature that, that the hurricanes uh, pose and, and, and uh, exhibit and the wrath uh, that, that it, um, brings to poor <laughs> little yeah. islands that are getting nailed right now, probably Coming as we're again. recording this again. again. Yeah. It's just uh, so, Oh, anyway. Um, thank you. Uh, great to have you back. I'm glad that uh, you guys made it through the uh, recession uh, and uh, look forward to hearing, hearing more from you in the, in the uh, future. For sure. Uh, let's see. This is, um, we're, we're about to wrap this up. Uh, but, um, Robert uh, Thompson in Marietta uh, sent this uh, quick piece of feedback uh, regarding an, a movie that is going to be released, I think, uh, sometime like later this year. I'm not sure exactly when. It's called American Made Movie. And he said, I just saw a trailer for this uh, this morning and uh, wondering if you guys had heard about this real story. And I think the story was a uh, shoot. Let me see here. Should I click on this? See if I can get a little bit of uh, the audio from this uh, thing, or maybe I can read about it on this uh, site. Of course, it's loading. This in the, is a drug trafficker, isn't not, it? Uh, who uh, Tom Yeah, Cruise. what was the guy's name? Like Gil, somebody. Um, I don't remember the guy's name. Uh, obviously, I wasn't prepared to talk about this. Maybe you can uh, do a search about uh, about that while I'm uh, vamping over here. Um, it looks like uh, uh, Tom Cruise is going to be the uh, protagonist, the star of this, and, and play the uh, role of this real life, uh, I guess, I don't know if he was doing this um, full time uh, or, or if he quit his job as an airline pilot and just started doing all this flying for, his name is Barry Seal, I wasn't even close, Gil, where did I get that? Barry Seal, and I'm waiting for now Nick to start doing his Seal impression. <laughs> no, um, I've done one already. Okay. But I um, have been watching Narcos and uh, wondering if it's the same guy that is portrayed in Narcos who does a lot of flying of uh, drugs, and who was an ex-CIA pilot. I, I uh, bet it sounds and, like very much the same story. Uh, uh, this uh, Barry Seal, a real-life uh, former TWA pilot, who became a drug smuggler to the Medellin cartel in the 80s. In order to, to avoid jail time, SEAL approached United States government officials and served as an informant for the DEA. The film will be released in the United States on September 20. Oh, very, at the end of this month. It's coming out, September 29th, 2017. And it's uh, Universal Pictures. And again, um, Tom Cruise is the star of this uh, of this motion picture, no, I I don't know anything about it, and I don't really know that much about the uh, the real story, uh, Robert. But uh, I have a feeling we're gonna all be up to speed on it very soon because I've just seen the a couple of the trailers as well, and it looks like there's some pretty awesome scenes, uh, flying scenes in it. It looks I like hope a, they do it right. 
Yeah, I hope so too. Um, what is it? Uh, it was, it's a, um, the, 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 uh, airplane, the Piper, um, well, Piper bought it from Navajo chieftains. No, uh, it's the, uh, the, the, the Aerostar. Mm. Yeah. Uh, that was made by designed by the guy that did design the uh, Aero Commander with the super tall tail. Uh, the the uh, the Aerostar also has a very tall vertical stabilizer, a very fast airplane, and uh, and I think Piper bought the uh, bought the licensing rights to it and became the Piper Aerostar. But uh, that's what I at least I saw in the in the trailers that I uh, watched recently. So. Looks like uh, it's going to be a, a good movie, at least the the flying scenes. Yeah. And for us, APG and aviation geeks, um, that's enough. Doesn't even have to well, have a story. <laughs> apparently, some of the flying flying was a bit too demanding because uh, pilot Nick in the uh, chat room says a chap unfortunately died in an aerostar during the making of the movie. Huh. Oh, you know what? I kind of remember that. I think we may have even mentioned it uh, sometime last year. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Pilot Nick. See? Um, yeah. I, I didn't make the connection. Apparently, that was when they were filming some of the scenes from this uh, movie. Wow. Mm. Cool. Well, I can't wait to uh, watch it, and then we can talk about it on the show. Like, we need yeah. something more to talk about. But We don't have enough. No, we don't. At all. Yeah. All right. That's enough. Uh, we uh, knocked out quite a bit of feedback. Still catching up with the the, the hidden feedback, but we're getting there, and uh, we the do appreciate feedback. Pardon? The hidden feedback. The hidden feedback. Oh, I thought I thought you said <laughs> I hate feedback. <laughs> Nick, you're yep. you're on the wrong show, dude. <laughs> no, 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 no. I love the feedback. The now we do love so the good. feedback. Good. We love it. Yeah, the the best way, well, one of the ways, there are several good ways to do it, uh, to send uh, feedback directly to feedback at airlinepilotguy.com. For a short period of time, that was a very bad way to do it. <laughs> but now we got it all fixed. So uh, that's a still a good way to do it, especially if you're going to record some audio, which we love. Uh, you can use your smartphone's voice recording app or whatever. And uh, you can attach it to an email, send it to feedback at airlinepilotguy.com because we love hearing your voices. And uh, it uh, saves us, uh, saves you all from the monotony of us reading it. Um, also, you can use SpeakPipe, which is uh, if you go to the uh, website, uh, the uh, airlinepilotguy.com website in the uh, contact us or I'm not sure exactly what it's called. I think that's it. Uh, you can find uh, you can use a form there to send us email feedback, but there's also a link to SpeakPipe, where you can it'll use the uh, microphone on your computer or your uh, cell phone or your tablet or whatever, um, and record some audio feedback to us, and it gets uh, very conveniently uh, sent to us as well. Um, you can use the app uh, both on the uh, iOS and Android platform. Uh, you can download the app for free. Uh, no advertising on the app, so you don't have to be bothered by that. And uh, you can watch the show and uh, listen to the show. You can send feedback, all kinds of different things on that. Uh, so check that out if, you, uh, if you're interested. Um, social media. Uh, Captain Nick, how might somebody uh, engage with us uh, with social media? I have no clue. Okay. No, I, I can tell you. Okay. So www.facebook.com forward slash airline pilot guy, one word. And on Twitter, we are uh, have the handle at APG crew. 
And, of course, there's uh, some kind of slack way of getting in touch with us if you're feeling a bit lazy. Steve, who, can, who can, is, you, um, can, you, can you see if uh, Hillel is? Yeah, hey, hello? Hello? Oh, here he is. What? Move out of the way. He needs to use your okay, microphone. Okay, sorry. APG listeners, please join us on our Slack team. On Slack, we share news and ideas. We suggest episode and plain tales topics. We plan meetups and events. To get into the Slack team, please send me a tweet with your preferred email address to at HI11E1, and I'll send you an invitation. That's Hillel at HI11E1, and see you in Slack. Thank you, Hillel. Now get out of here. Where does he get all that energy? He's it's like gone in a flash. So full of energy. <laughs> no, I mean, just the way he speaks is uh, is just so full of energy. And he's he in the chat room at the same time. How does he do that? How can uh, he type and talk at the by same time? location? I believe it's called. All right. And uh, you know, that's just added to the number of things that we probably shouldn't talk about on the show. <laughs> Uh, no, not, and, not another one. Yeah, yeah, yes. I can't keep another. track of one. Where's that list again? Man? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> anyway, so uh, as always, uh, such a pleasure to uh, get together with uh, like-minded friends every week and uh, to uh, talk about aviation and such uh, other things. And um, I guess, uh, Steve, thanks for, you know, for being there today for me. <laughs> you too, Jeff. You too. Yeah. It was, uh, it was kismet. I think they say, uh, that, uh, he, he and I were, Sorry, who are you kissing? Uh, met <laughs> kismet. Um, we just met kismet. Um, anyway. And, uh, so I'm glad you were able to, uh, join me, uh, as my, uh, co-host here in the, the wonderful, uh, hotel studio in, uh, on the river walk. And, Oh, by the way, very soon, we're going to be meeting up with a couple folks here in San Antonio. I know that if you're listening to this live and you just happen to be in the San Antonio area, I know it's a stretch. But if so, uh, we're going to meet up somewhere at 6 o'clock. We don't know time. where yet. I don't know where yet. I, I need to look at Slack and figure out where. <laughs> we'll be told where to go. Yeah, we're going to <laughs> hopefully know where to go. And uh, so, yeah, if you're here, join us, please. And, uh, of course, next week we'll, uh, we'll talk about our meetup and uh, all the fun that we had and make you, you know, just feel really jealous that you weren't able to join us here in San Antonio. And uh, until next time, wishing... Oh, anything else you want to say? Uh, you know, I, I, it's funny because you you, you sent me um, uh, an email or a text or something like that and said you were on... I guess you were on a, somebody's show, but then for some reason in my head, I thought maybe you were starting your own no. podcast. Uh, I just okay. ran across that, um, that mission pilot show. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just ran across them, sent it to you a while ago. Okay. And uh, yeah, just happened to stumble across it just because we need another aviation podcast. Yes, because uh, our time is. <laughs> that's right. We too have much all the time, time in the hands. world, and um, you know, you need as many aviation podcasts to listen to as possible. Anyway, so, uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if someday this guy here is going to have his own show. You know, we all know all the see. all the good work. It's a lot of work, <laughs> though. Yeah, just stick with what you're doing now. Yeah. It's awesome stuff. I'll just give it to you. I'll okay. Record it. So. All right. Cool. Well, until next time, uh, wishing you clear skies, unlimited visibility, and tailwinds. Take care, and God bless. See ya. Bye, everybody. Cheers. Bye. Good day.
such a good, good pilot Till I started APG I opened doors for little old ladies I helped them to their seats I'm always flying I just don't have the time But I can land this old plane I can land it just fine Airline not a guy I fly Statements, views, and opinions expressed on the Airline Pilot Guy podcast may not represent the views, opinions, or policies of any airline, real or fictionalized, mentioned, implied, or accidentally slipped by any of the participants, guests, or feedback providers you may or may not have heard, may or may not believe you may have heard, on this or any prior episode of the Airline Pilot Guy podcast.